0: American Pinball announces Legends of Valhalla. Chicago Gaming reveals Cactus Canyon Remake. Stern releases Jurassic Park Pin and Elvira 40th Anniversary Edition. Interview with the Scorebit team!
1: Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston. I'm the editor of Pinball
0: Magazine. And I'm joined today with I'm Martin Ebb, and I'm the editor of Pinball News, and we are here to look back at all the excitement that took place in the pinball world in October 2021. And although we well, say it every month that it's been an exciting month, but this time I think I think we got yeah, a very exciting
1: month to discuss. Oh yeah, absolutely, lots of uh, um, things going on. Um, a uh, couple of yeah, new games, uh, of, of new appointments,
0: new, new pinball expo happening, new systems. And yeah, it's it's really really you know, packed. So really, we should just get on with it. Really, yeah. so r- rather than just uh, waste any more time because yeah. it's I think it's going to be quite a long one to be honest. Yeah. Well, uh, uh,
1: speaking of that, um, we uh, pre-recorded uh, the interview with the scorebit team, uh, which is uh, an hour and uh, twenty-three minutes. Um so we're saving that to the end of this podcast because if you're um not that interested in that then it's easier to just skip at that point but still having heard everything else instead of skipping through the podcast trying to find the end of the interview so um, well, yeah
0: although i would say that um, even if you're not interested in it now Give it a listen, because uh, it might be something that wins you over and uh, 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 introduces you to a whole new way to play games. But anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll come to oh, that. It's a bit definitely
1: later on. exciting. I'll, I'll give you that. So, uh, by all means, give it a chance. But we'll yeah, save okay. that for the, uh, we'll save that as the last segment of this um, this episode. Sounds good. And we might be doing a uh, a live interview as well. Which is something Ooh. that we haven't done before, so
0: bear with yeah. me. I'm looking forward to that. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So but let's let's start off with our, our headlines then. And uh, the first one of those was uh, from American Pinball, and uh, they you know, we we've been waiting for the announcement of their what fourth game. Yes. Is it? Yes. Um, for quite some time, and although I think we knew, I think we even mentioned what we thought it was before. Yeah, I think so it I was think it, it, it actually a came public as a secret,
1: so, so to speak.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, um, yes, so they did a, a, officially a launch uh, Legends of Valhalla, yeah. which is which has been produced by Scott Gullicks and Frank Gigliotti of Riot Pinball. Right, who you and might know from, from Wrath of Olympus from a couple of years ago absolutely the game or woolly as it was uh, as otherwise known which uh, they sold a a certain number of but didn't um, it didn't take enough orders in order to take it into full production yeah i think it so
1: moved on p- at some point spooky was interested if there was enough demand and uh, that yes. didn't seem to be there and i think it was a highly cost costly game a uh, white body with with lots of Mm. Um uh, I think you're right. Stuff, There's a lot of, stuff, stuff of mechanisms yes. and devices and
0: things on on but, there. So. But it was a very
1: impressive yeah. game, absolutely. It yeah. was. Yeah. So good yeah. for Scott so and, anyway. and Frank that they landed uh, Legends of Valhalla with um, with American Pinball. I believe they uh, they produced five prototypes themselves uh before uh, American Pinball picked the title up and took it into production. So uh, uh, congratulations to 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 Scott and Frank for uh, uh, getting a deal with American uh, Pinball. And um, from what I understood from the uh, uh, Pinball Expo seminar of American Pinball, uh, they uh, it's not a one and done deal, as they mentioned it. No. So, so we might see more from Wright Pinball in collaboration with American Pinball.
0: I think it's also worth saying that um, it wasn't just a case that, um, that sort of Scott and Frank produced the game and uh, delivered it to American and, and they built it. The no, game no, was actually was much very, further developed by yes. American Pinball. So the whole team there worked on it, made it, made it something which could be mass-produced. They developed the software further, changed some of the playfield features, uh, did um, a whole, whole new music track to it and voice calls as well. Yeah, the the music is. Uh, I think there's something like twenty two tracks yeah. from uh, the, the group Two Steps from Hell. Yeah, which um, who I thought now I, remind me whether this is oh, you might remember better than I do. Didn't they do something for? Didn't they do the the music for Jersey Jack pinballs Um, sort of intro. Oh, there could I be. Uh, I, I might two have to look that help for,
1: for, for, up for, with for, for that leader. I'm not sure whether uh, that was them.
0: but um, Yeah, I think it was. Um, maybe I'm misremembering, but I think that's the case. Um, but anyway, um, one of the key things that, um, that when, the, when, the, when the game was announced that, uh, that Dave Fix um, told us, before in an interview is that but when the game is announced we he couldn't wanted couldn't to publicly say available. it
1: we knew up front what, 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 why what was delaying the of the of the game because that yeah. happened the game was ready to go he could announce it any minute but he wanted to wait until games were ready to be played at locations preferably in the US and in Europe and Australia as well um, obviously there's there's heavy delays in uh, uh, transport overseas of uh, mm. uh of games so Europe and Australia didn't work out but he did get games uh on the day of the announcement available uh at public locations in in America several arcades across the country had the game uh, set up so people could play it right away
0: which i yeah, think it was rather is rather a, a unusual um because it, the announcement was actually made on a saturday yeah. which uh, <laughs> it's not a normal business day but that's the day when the game was available to play at a, a number of arcades i think there's about eight and then from the following monday it was available at, at another bunch of locations as well so and if you, uh, you didn't I, have to if you couldn't play it at the weekend then you could play on the monday yeah
1: and that was the monday before pinball expo
0: mm yes indeed um so uh, I don't think we said it, but it's been taken into production now with a a limited edition version, of which there will be 500 units
1: produced. Originally, that was 300, but the demand was so Mm. high that they uh, uh, expanded it to 500, if that's the correct expression now. Uh, So it's 500 units now. I'm not sure uh, whether they might uh, uh, increase that number again. Uh, So far, the standard edition has not been announced. Yet, so it looks like they're trying to mostly sell limited edition games, which I can understand, of course. Um, but if it's mm-hmm. a limited edition game, that doesn't mean you can keep on increasing the number, the production number.
0: No, that's right. And uh, th- there's no guarantee that uh, they will actually ever produce a standard edition. But the intention is there if, if they if they think the demand is uh, is sufficient. Right.
1: But if you're uh, if you're interested in a Viking themed uh, pinball machine, there's not that many around. Um, of course, there was a Belly Viking in uh, the early 80s. That's and true. That's pro- uh, probably one of the few that I can think of, or the only one actually. So, um, but it's uh, it's interesting. Um, Jack Danger already hosted a gameplay stream, uh, which um, uh, also saw the introduction of a new American Pinball uh, uh, team member, so to speak. Uh, Stephen Bowden, who uh, uh, has worked at Deep Root Pinball, um, has now joined American
0: Pinball. Yes, if you ever thought there was any doubt that that, uh, that everybody was uh, was fleeing from Deep Root and trying to get work elsewhere, well, here's, here's proof. Yeah, Steve's joined them as corporate account manager and creative and marketing marketing consultant, uh, which is a uh, fairly wide brief, I'd have thought. But uh, no as as we know it, uh, at Deep Root, he was responsible for rule and storyline development on games there. But um, yeah, we'll have some more Deep Root news later. But right. um, good to see Steve uh, landing on his feet and uh, and and ending up at American, where he can uh, no doubt. Um, further enhance their their game development right
1: so and uh, finishing off with uh, Legend of uh, Walhalla or getting back to that um, uh, Scott and Frank from Riot Pinball did a great interview with Pinball Profile uh, Jeff Mm -hmm. Theodis which is highly recommended so if you're uh, uh, if you want to hear more about the development of the game and how the integration went with American Pinball and so on then uh, by all means uh, check out uh, uh, one of the most recent uh, uh, pinball profile episodes. Uh,
0: if you yes, say. Ep- episode three hundred and twenty, if you're uh, if yes. you're on the website pinballprofile dot com. Thank Thanks. Yes, um, and then
1: uh, last but certainly not least, um, uh, well, Pinball Expo is is definitely going to be uh, uh, be mentioned uh, uh, more in this. Uh, I think so. in, yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Um, but um, American Pinball did have an interesting announcement at the show at the end of their um, their seminar. David Fix uh, basically announced the American Pinball American Dream Contest. Um, which is basically an open invitation to the homebrew community to create uh, a new game, bring it to Expo next year, and uh, they will have they will look and find a way to have uh, the audience uh, uh, put in votes for what they think is the best game, and the American pinball team will also, uh, be voting on what they feel is the best game, and the sum of those should determine a winner, where American Pinball uh, will take that game into production.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now there's uh, no information at this time as you know what what the developers will get in in compensation for having their or doing uh, the design work on a game, but um, it's. Um, it's a way for any homebrew and it doesn't doesn't need to be a new game it could be a game which has been presented before but it needs to be developed sufficiently that it's ready due to, to uh, for the American pinball uh, team to do the same kind of tweaks and adjustments and uh, make it production ready as they have for legends of valhalla right which um, no i'm i'm not downplaying that at all because i I'm, I'm sure there was a significant amount of work you know that some of the things were certainly changed on legends of Valhalla to make it make it more fun you know the addition of the thor hammer and the magnet underneath it which uh, replaced uh, what was previously just uh, an up post and um and you know the beefing up of the sounds and uh, the music and the, and the and the voice calls and that kind of stuff so what they're looking for and I'm not sure exactly who's gonna, who's going to have the overriding say on this. I'm sure as I'd like to think it'd be American pinball who would who would make the final call on it rather than it being subject to a public vote. But they they'll be looking to see just how how ready it is to take into production and how much how much extra work it needs, um, and it's it's a great chance for for somebody who's just um, developing a game and, and it could be their dream theme, and it. Uh, no, rather than just being a, their garage project, can actually uh, go out into the wider world. And uh, so, you know, from the clock is ticking until, uh, I guess it's going to be October 2022 to get your yes. game ready.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, interestingly, and I'll give you a little scoop here, I'm intending to enter that competition.
0: My goodness, I think I know what, what you might be uh, putting forward. But... Um, you might be right, right. But, but this is uh, certainly... We we'll won't discuss that any further at this stage. No,
1: but um, no, I um, I do have a, a, actually a, a, a very simple, yet extremely fun, I would say, uh, game design that I've developed already a couple of years ago, um, which I have a virtual version uh, actually running. And I'm looking to mm-hmm. prototype it. Um, if I can manage to do that, why not bring it to Expo? Unless I find already a manufacturer who's interested in doing it before that. But if if that if Plan A fails, then there's always Plan B. And who knows, American Pinball might end up choosing it as being the uh, the, the 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 best game in the competition next year.
0: Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. And uh, I, I know exactly which game you are talking about, and it, it is a fun one. And uh, let, let's see let's see how you can uh, develop it over the coming uh, twelve months. Right. So, um.
1: yeah. So, um, well, that I think sums it up for uh, American Pinball. Um, Yeah, I think so. Well, um, there is, of course, the American Pinball Seminar that was held at Pinball Expo, which you can uh, watch uh, back on the Pinball Expo Twitch channel. So if you're interested in that, then make sure to, uh, to see what they had to say. At uh, at the event uh, they were joined with um well David Fix of course was there, um Josh Kugler was there, Scott mm-hmm. and Frank of um Riot. Yeah. Riot Pinball were there, and there was one other guy, and I really apologize for not remembering <laughs> his name. <laughs> I think it was a mechanical engineer if I'm not mistaken. So but anyway, do check out the uh, the stream on the Pinball Expo
0: Twitch channel
1: Absolutely. for American Pinball.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay, so moving on, and our second headline was uh, from Chicago Gaming. Yes. And they also, you know, tie in with Pinball Expo because it was at Pinball Expo where they finally revealed what what everybody already knew was coming, their Cactus Canyon remake. Right. And we, you know, we knew it was coming, we just hadn't seen it yet and it hadn't been officially launched. And yeah. I have to say it was a bit of a strange launch, to be honest. Um, uh, it didn't really go that smoothly um, but at the end I, of the day the star of the show was the game right um
1: i i sort of sense what you're what you what you're hinting at um from what i got uh, uh, so american Pinball had a, a seminar scheduled and basically um ryan white um uh, introduced himself and uh, said, well, this is the game, and if are there any questions? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So, well, it was kind of... The, the game was, was wheeled in just before the start of the scheduled seminar time. It sat there. Um, Ryan was obviously having a bit of problem getting his, uh, his video to download, his promotional video to download and, and play. In the meantime, people were walking up to the game, having a look, taking photographs and video and that kind of stuff, it, it was the limited edition that they had there, which right. has a, a very nice topper to right. it and a, and a nice uh, arch, bottom arch as well. But there was no explanation about what they were seeing or um, what it costs or anything like that. It was just sitting there in a track mode. And then eventually um, the video kind of played but didn't play all the way through and kind of stopped halfway. And, and as you said, then it was kind of like, well, okay, here's, here's some basic facts about it. Um which are that uh, there will be two versions: a standard edition and a limited edition. At least initially, yeah. there will be the two versions. There well, might be another version.
1: Um, I have to make a comment about that because um, I believe there's two indications for for the the uh, less featured game um, because at one point it was called the standard version, and yeah. at other points it was called the special version. And oh. I, I've even seen uh, mailings from from uh, distributors offering the special edition. So okay. I'm, I'm I'm a, a little bit uh, torn in between. Like, is it uh, is it a special edition or is the standard edition? Because it both starts with an S, which is not yeah. very very
0: convenient. It was an SE and an LE. I, um, I thought the SE was a standard edition, and I've certainly seen it referenced out. Um, now there's there's also the potential, and I've seen this. Uh, written on, on, on various places, of an extended edition, an XE, but I don't know whether that's, that's certainly not confirmed at this stage. Right. So, uh, so I don't, they, I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what else they could add to the game. Over well, in the, there, the, there in the is system. going
1: to be the um, uh, additional code by uh, Lyman Sheets and Josh Sharp, uh, which was announced uh, at the beginning of the month that they uh, were uh, working for Chicago Gaming um, and as it turns out during uh, Expo uh, that uh, additional game code uh, will be a paid add-on so yes, if you, if and inter- it
0: won't be available for some time because they've only yeah. just started working on it Right,
1: um, but still it's so. interesting and that would be the first iteration of a paid code update
0: um, yes um I suppose it is, although um, I mean, it's arguable that you, you could say that uh, that's what the the P three machine does because you you, you, you right. can buy the play playfield and then yeah, you can download true. more yeah. software to play it yeah. in a different way. I stand corrected, thank you. Um, but um, let's go back to the yes. Um, let's go back to the basics of this. Um, okay, so we the, have the, the standard edition. edition. SE. Se. Se.
2: yes yes. Um, yes,
0: Essie and Ellie. Let's call them that. Right. Uh, okay.
1: So the limited edition has this uh, uh, shooting gallery topper uh, on top of the back box, uh, which has a uh, bionic bard figure in the center with his arms moving that reminds me uh, of a little bit of Champion's Pub.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. But well, the, except they, they spin all the way around and on Champion Pub. They only sort of move up and down a certain amount, a sort of punch. Yeah. Whereas this time the, the the arms can rotate 360 degrees on the on either side. It looks a bit weird to be honest, but yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, but but that aside, it it's it's a nice animated model. Now the the SE version will be priced at eight thousand dollars, and the LE version will be at one thousand two hundred and fifty more at nine thousand two hundred and fifty, um, and.
1: Limited to 1,250 units, if I'm
0: yes. not mistaken. i the say the price difference is $1,250, and the number of LE units is also 1,250. Right. Don't know if there's any, any symmetry there. but um, And apparently they all sold out very quickly. So um, if you want to get a limited edition a version of it, which looks like it's the way to go, given the relatively close prices... And and all the extra features you get, including the topper and um, and also better paint trim and uh, and shaker motor and um, well, there's a whole bunch of different changes to the playfield, which we can go into uh, another time. But it um, the topper that you mentioned, we did talk about before in uh, in on this pin cast, and we uh, we, were, we were speculating on how exactly it would work that you you'd shoot. The, the bad guys and uh, and not shoot the good guys. But apparently the there isn't the a sort of gun that you draw. It, it is all done with the flipper buttons. Yeah. So it's kind of like lights up on the left and you either shoot or you don't shoot or it lights up on the right and you either shoot or don't shoot, depending on whether it's a good guy or a bad guy or gal.
1: Right. So, um, yeah. Um, well, usually Chicago Gaming also has a, uh, uh, a third model I'm trying to... Uh, yeah. Um, got a picture here. Um, usually, they have a classic edition, a special edition, and a limited edition. So, um, the classic edition usually has a uh, an orange uh, uh, dot matrix display. Display yeah. uh, smaller also. Um, uh, can't remember if the special edition or SE whatever uh, we want to call it that we've seen at the show.
0: Um, has the so that big? Is, that is a full color. Yes, they both have the full color wide okay, so, display. So let's yeah, go. There the isn't uh, a there isn't a classic, or well, hasn't been shown as being yeah. a classic version okay. here.
1: Yeah. So well, uh, but I suppose there weren't that many of those sold anyway, considering the the upgrade that you uh, that you're able to get, or, or the the benefits of the, the special and limited editions in uh, in previous games.
0: Yes, and uh, we're also, it's also worth mentioning that the well, both the the SE and the LE, as presented, have updated code on them, yes. which uh, adds some extra features. Obviously, the it works with the topper on the LE, but also there are it's got the bionic Bart mode added in, uh, which was missing from the original rules, so, but but added in the uh, uh, continued version. Of uh, Cactus Canyon, uh, but you, also, you can also, if you want, um, just flick it back to the classic rules, as as uh, we in the uh, in the Bally version of the game. Right, if, if yeah. that's how you want to play it, you want to you want to keep it keep it old school. You can do that as well.
1: Right. Um, obviously, the game has uh, f- uh, coloured animation um, uh, based on the original dot matrix. Uh, display mm-hmm. animations, but uh, completely redrawn in a higher resolution. Um, and what's also interesting to notice is that the um, uh, bionic feature fech- uh, figure on the playfield has been uh, completely redesigned. It's a different face, uh, a little bit bigger uh, from the way that I remember it. Um, and, of course, the face now... Um, is similar to the one of uh, Bionic Bard on uh, on the topper of the game. Mm-hmm. yeah. So and it looks a little bit more um, well bad, I would say. Yeah, more
0: menacing. I think that's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's also uh, we should which mentioned. You know, everyone's talking about uh, connectivity to the to the internet at the moment. Chicago Chicago Gaming haven't added or haven't developed uh, an internet connected system at the moment. But uh, they did say they were talking to the, the company, Scorbit, who uh, we mentioned earlier and we'll be talking to later, uh, about incorporating their system into the Chicago gaming um, software in the same way that, uh, that Jersey Jack Pinball have done exactly that. And um, the other change that they've made is that they've they've rewritten their operating system. But previously, there was when they were doing the remakes, there was the classic... Williams-Bally menu system, and then there was a separate button which took you into the settings for the Chicago gaming settings. Right. Uh, now all that's been combined into one standard menu, so there's a, it's not split anymore. So it's a lot more integrated, and you just have to go to one place if you want to change something, which is uh, obviously makes sense, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, Good. Um, um, yeah, so uh, both those both versions of the game were set up for people to play on the Chicago gaming stand at Pinball Expo. And uh, I think people were were impressed from what I've heard. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, the seminar was um, a bit um, odd, I would say. But uh, there's some information there. You can watch it back. And basically, after uh, the Q&A was done, it was just like um, the rest of the hour uh, streaming of people
0: playing the game.
1: Or yeah the games watching out the there. backs of people playing the game.
0: <laughs> yeah the game was on the on the floor in the uh, in the in the uh, vendor hall. So uh, go out and play it was the yeah. message. What yeah. I did I find inter- what I did find interesting I
1: was watching the seminar live and at the same time I was browsing on my computer on Facebook and uh, several people were actually streaming gameplay from various games at Pimble Expo uh, from their phones and so on. So uh, uh, in that sense, um, it was kind of hard to miss if you're uh, uh, connected with uh, those parties uh, or distributors that were streaming gameplay during expos. So I thought it was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, so it's a good way of doing it, I suppose, in, uh, in getting a sort of uh, getting the mass stream simultaneously from. Uh, yeah. From, from across the show I still, so anyway, still,
1: still sense a little bit that there was a little bit of a rush to get the game there um, because I don't think I've seen any promotional material
0: and um, no. no, I've got some, uh, some, some distributor emails and they were saying we haven't got any uh, official pictures yet but here are the details and if you want to order it then contact us Right, okay.
1: If you're, by the way, still looking for a Cactus Canyon game, um, uh, I think Planetary Pinball mentioned on their Facebook that they are the biggest uh, distributor for Chicago gaming remake games. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're looking for a game, um, they might have a a certain allotment uh, that is not sold out yet. It's reserved for them. So it doesn't it does count to the, towards the twelve fifty units, uh but they might not be completely sold out so so basically sold out currently means that all the distributors have uh ordered all available twelve hundred and fifty games, but they might still yeah. have
0: games available yeah, I may not have sold them all yet at this yes. stage yes. so yeah, yeah so so check with your uh, your local distributor if who uh if you are uh tempted. To get a Cactus Canyon remake, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of people were expecting the limited edition to be more expensive than it was, so I think that was uh, that was a pleasant surprise. I think uh, they were mooting. it would be over ten thousand dollars, so when it came in at uh, nine two fifty, um, there was a lot of excitement. Well, we don't know yet
1: how much the code update from uh, Lyman Sheets and Josh Sharp will be, but
0: <laughs> yeah, what? true. Or, or indeed, what will be in it, and whether it will be be worth spending the money, but. Uh, We'll see, and uh, th- th- that won't arrive for a while. So there's plenty of time for people to enjoy their game as it is uh, now, and before uh, thinking about uh, spending some more money on it. Right. Okay. And uh, well, that's that's also a
1: good way to generate more money. Is to have people play the game for a year or so, and then hey, there's more stuff available. You want to buy it? Where yeah, might be that's right. Relu- there might be reluctant uh paying everything up front but then again. Okay.
0: Oh well yeah that almost leads us very nicely into uh, our next company who uh oh who well, can it be uh, <laughs> yes uh well okay that's uh, that's that's uh let's go to Stern Pinball then. And uh, it's been a been a busy month for them as well. Oh, oh yeah lots of news from Stern Pinball. So um yeah. Um um
1: I think the news that surprised the people the most was a press release where uh Stern Pinball announced mm-hmm. that they hired Seth Davis De- De- sorry Seth <laughs> Davis as president of Stern Pinball um Seth Davis is coming from uh, from Disney and uh, uh currently Gary Stern is uh CEO chairman and president of Stern Pinball was. and well, he was president; he still mm. is c e o and chairman and um yes, well, that sort of made me wonder okay if if he's no longer president, then what is he no longer doing? Yeah, well,
0: only one way to find out. how about we give Gary Stern a call? I think that would be a good idea okay, so
3: hello.
1: Oh my God! I got the wrong Gary.
3: What?
1: Oh, oh, you idiot! <laughs> sorry, Gary. Oh. <laughs> I meant to go, oh, Gary Stern. Okay. Um, talk to you in a bit. Thank you. Bye. No problem. Oh, sorry God. about
0: that. Um, oh, yeah, um,
1: I got the wrong. Yeah. I, I dialed the number for the wrong Gary. Let me try again. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let's do it properly this time.
1: Jonathan, Gary. Jonathan. How nice, I'm nice to talk to you. How are How are you?
4: Yeah. I'm good. Seth is sitting here with me, and we have a few minutes before we have to have to go to our next thing. Right. Um, so, you were asking about Seth joining us.
1: Yes. So, um, well, thank you for joining us, uh, Seth, and uh, welcome to the company, I suppose.
4: Happy uh, to be well, here. Suppose. You suppose. <laughs> definitely. I'm thrilled.
1: Right. Okay. So, um, if you don't mind me asking, uh, Gary, uh, um, uh, so you're stepping down as president of Stern Pinball, um, and that makes me wonder, what tasks will you no longer be doing, and what will Seth be doing?
4: Well, that's a, that's, that's a good question, which we will work out over time. Seth, uh, you know, I, I, I remain as the chairman and the CEO for the time being, um my uh partner Dave Peterson remains as the vice chairman of EVP uh, Michael Donald stays as our CFO George continues as our chief creative officer Kevin continues as chief operations officer and John uh, Bascalia continues as the uh, uh chief revenue officer so what we've done is we have started to look to- towards our future and uh, uh and uh Developing a, a further management team that will go on. I'm 76 years old, Jonathan, uh, and we need to, we need to, we need to continue the pinball company and the in the pinball market and its growth to the future. Um, so Seth's going to tell himself a little, uh, tell you a little bit about himself, but management remains intact and growing. Um, yes, I'll be the CEO for a while. We'll see what you know how that progresses and how long. We'll, says learning right now, but he knows a lot that deals with with our with with our future direction. And our future direction is not a change in a direction, but an addition. You know, many years ago we were basically a coin op commercial company. We developed as the world was changing into a commercial game and collector enthusiasts and general homeowner game and that was a change and a growth in in the business and in the market segments and to augment all of those segments, we have started uh, with george's development over the last two years and millions of dollars invested to create uh, insider connected and this is the next the next development of Pinball. The game's still under the glass, but the development of what this does, and if you talk to people who are at Pinball Expo, you'll see how excited they were or people who went to the uh, Bar Arcade, uh, Logan Hardware, uh, Logan Arcade. Now, you've uh, you've been there, uh, so you know what I'm talking about. We had an event there, very successful. So Seth, Seth can tell you a little bit about his background with the Disney company and before that with GE. I'm going to let him do that, and then I might let you ask a second question because all of this is still the answer to your first question. So, Seth, tell a little bit about yourself. Sure, it's uh, nice to meet you.
5: Uh, I'm Seth, Likewise. and uh, I just uh, I'm a week in now to being at uh, Stern and part of the team and uh, learning a lot, of, lot from Gary and the rest of the team here. Um, as Gary said, my background is in Uh, a variety of connected gaming products. Um, So I worked at Disney for about 13 years. Uh, I spent some time the last couple of years working on Disney streaming, things like Disney Plus, um, and their connected services. Uh, Before that, I spent a decade in the games business uh, doing a variety of products, um, some of which were connected products like Disney Infinity and Star Wars Jedi Challenges. Um, Before that, I did grad school. uh, and Before that, I was a GE. um, So I have some experience with Uh, manufacturing and physical products and some of the stuff that we do here. Um, So I'm very excited to be here. Um, Business is doing extremely well. Stern Company is doing extremely well. Um, And I'm happy to be here to help take the company to the next level.
1: Right. Um, So have you already got an idea what your task will be since... um, Well, we know Gary. And I don't think there's many people in this hobby or industry that can see Gary slowing down? Uh, Well, I'm getting
4: a little older, but having said that also, um, you know, we we have to develop and and have the future of this business. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people who enjoy our games, both to make their living and as their hobby. Uh, And we have a lot of employees, uh, both here and in our extended community. There's, you know, 350 people in our building at any day, an extended community of people making their living, supplying us parts. Maybe 3,000 people have a good part of of their living coming from it. So we have to secure the future. Um, we'll sort out how, how we do all this. Ultimately, says, says the president, be, he's going to have a day-to-day responsibility that I don't have. But, you know, give us time. But more important than that, um, you'll get a chance I, you, you don't, uh, you, you don't, you guys don't come to Iapas, but you will get a chance in London. You usually come by there, and uh, uh, you know uh, you, you'll both be there, uh, I'm sure. Um, so you know you'll meet Seth, and uh, and you'll have a chance to uh, talk with him at Great length.
1: Okay, well, I'm already looking forward to that. So. Um... So that, yeah, that, so that does that mean that you still will be traveling the world, uh, the globe, uh, to promote uh, um, stern pinball, or are you slowing down on that, slowly, as well? I'll tell you, I, <laughs> I'm going to answer this
4: in a very, but I think, in an interesting way. Yeah, I slow down traveling the world. You're not allowed to. There's COVID out there. Right. I have not been out of the country in uh, a long time. Uh, I didn't leave Chicago for some time. Uh, You know, I travel around the United States. But, you know, one of the things that's concerning about traveling out of this country is getting back. And, yeah, we're allowed to come back. But if you test positive three days before you come back, which you may be, well, I've been vaccinated, uh, but you can get stuck. I have friends who have been stuck, you know, for, for an unplanned vacation of a month in Italy. Now that sounds great unless you're quarantined in Italy, you know. Uh, So, you know, the the world is under a lot of pressure right now, Jonathan. So I I can't answer how, you know, how much I'm going to travel, but it's not related. You know, I'll probably, if it was unrestricted, I would probably travel just as much, but but only because I like to travel. I might not work while I'm doing it, but I pretend to be working. But, Seth, you were starting to say, and then we're going to gonna have to run her along to our next thing, Jonathan. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a few focuses
5: for me, uh, and one of them is what Gary just referred to, which is we're spending a lot of time with our partners and customers, um, getting to know them, getting to know their needs, um, and what people are looking for. And so, you know, speaking with our partners and our customers and listening to them is a big part of what I'm doing uh, here over the next few months. Um, in addition to spending time with the leadership team here, um, as well as providing some input on, you know, Insider Connected and where that all goes next. So those are kind of the, the most important tasks for the near term.
0: Right.
1: Okay. I'll let you guys go to, um, to your meeting. Thank you for, the, for, for your time, for answering a few questions, and uh, looking forward Great. to meet you in London. And I
4: look forward just to seeing you in general again. It's been too long, Jonathan.
1: It is, I know. I used to be at Expo, but I wasn't there last week.
4: Yeah, I know. I know. So, so And you missed a great show. Anyhow, uh, it, it, we, we had a great time, a great showing, and a lot of people signing up for uh, Insider Connected.
0: Great.
6: And
4: a lot of operators were there really interested in signing up for it. So, Yeah,
1: we're going to move along to our next, uh,
4: uh, next uh, obligation, and I'm glad you called. It's good talking with you.
1: Okay. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. And there you have it. Oh, stern. very good, yeah. Gary Gary Stern and Seth Davis, um, very interesting
0: to um well what are you, what what's your take on this? well, I, I would say when the press release came out, um, Gary Stern was uh, was very bullish and and saying he's he's still chairman and CEO, and he's going to be there until he but well, basically pegs out and they'll be carrying him out in a in a stern pinball box with his boots on he said but in that interview it certainly sounded like he was sort of uh, getting ready to to stand down in at, uh, before too long you know he said he's he's still chairman and ceo for now but um, that wasn't uh, didn't didn't uh give it the impression like that he was like gonna like be there for a long time no exactly yeah um yeah interesting absolutely at, uh,
1: so so remember where you heard is first
0: yeah, overall, they talk about uh, about needing to to uh, plan for the future and uh, you know develop a line of succession. And uh, yeah, as you say, you heard in that that interview right here on the Pinball Magazine, Pinball News, Pincast.
1: Right. So, uh, but there was uh, lots of 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 other news uh, from Stern Pinball. Well,
0: but before we move on, I think it's probably just worth uh, having a little little rumination on uh, on Seth appointment
1: oh, as president
0: because right. sure. although we didn't actually get to find out exactly what he's going to be doing
1: uh, well it he, wasn't, doesn't, wasn't quite he doesn't know yet. himself
0: that that's no he's, he's going to spend 90 days he said uh, learning the business before he uh, actually even sort of starts making any any kind of decisions about what needs to be done right but uh, you said in, in the introduction that he comes from disney oh, where he was uh, he was responsible for at least partly responsible, if not entirely, for their their streaming services, Disney Plus, and um, I forget what their other yeah I know. Their streaming service was. But it's basically about um, revenue generation, right? So he is he's a guy who knows how to build revenue from customers from a company and get them to to subscribe to services, and that's something which we've been talking about uh, quite a lot recently with the Insider Connected. System, which we'll talk a bit more about later, but um, it certainly certainly wouldn't be an entire surprise if um, if the insider connected is seen as a major revenue stream um, on top of game sales and you know, an ongoing one, a subscription service in the same way that Disney Plus um, is is uh, is a popular and and lucrative um, income stream for Disney.
1: Right. So um, yeah, it's uh, uh, it looks like it's it, it's heading that way. At the same time, I'm wondering what that job interview went like. I mean, so what will you be doing? Well,
0: we don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as yeah, so as you, as you, as you uh, I mean, your, your first question to to Gary was uh, sort of hit the nail on the head. You know, what, what are you not doing that you were doing before? And then at least we'd know what what Seth is going to be doing. Right, but so. uh, but. What, We'll find that out in due course. I'm, I'm sure, and uh, and we'll both be there at, uh, as you said, at uh, at uh, the uh, at the London show in uh, in January to uh, to interview them. And I might actually uh, be able to uh, get there, get to speak to them a little bit before that. But uh, we'll talk about that a bit later. What my what my plans are for the uh, for the coming month. Right. Okay.
1: Um, now, speaking of uh, uh, Stern Insider Connected. Um, those kits that you need to uh, uh, to make your game insider connected uh, connected, so to <laughs> <I'm> speak. <sorry. laughs> yes, um, those are now now available from uh, for, uh, from distributors for a uh, hundred and ninety nine dollars.
0: Yes, that's right. Uh, there, although uh, the. the They're in relatively short supply at the moment, and they are being, well, distributors are being instructed to sell them to operators rather than to home collectors, because they want want to get more people out there using the Insider Connected system, and putting it on location will, you know, obviously attract more, well, will be there in front of more people than it would be if it's sitting in your home game room or basement or whatever. So that's their plan at the moment they they obviously intend to bring out a lot more kits but you know we've spoken many times about supply chain issues and and mm-hmm. uh, it, it affects everyone and uh, they and still haven't uh, shied away from the fact that it's impacted on them either so that that kit is available in in well I was going to say two forms but actually there's a whole range of different forms but there's there's one for the pro machines if you're fitting it to a pro machine then the, you get an entire new bottom arch or bottom apron with the QR code reader installed and it's uh, and and the decals for that QR code reader but because that that fits across you no know, every model that they or every title that produced, they produce they say uh, that's true. Yeah, there are a few good point. Uh, they say you you should be able to peel off the uh, decals off your old apron and apply them to the new one. But if they get damaged, then they will. Uh, you'll be able to get new ones from uh, from Stern for that, which you can buy for an additional fee. <laughs> <of> <laughs> oh, I'm sure, very reasonable. I'm, I'm sure um, that, they're obviously keen to keep. You know, it's $199 for an entire new bottom arch with a QR code reader, and um, as well as a Wi-Fi dongle, uh, wiring kit, in order to power it, and a micro SD card. Well, I don't quite know what that does. Maybe it's a software update, but uh, that's included as well. So that's not you know for for Stern one hundred ninety nine dollars. It indicates that they're not pr- price gouging uh, customers on that, and they want to get want to get the system out there and get it uh, adopted, so they can uh, they can then start charging you for uh, for the Insider connected services. Yeah. But um, <laughs> um, but for the LE models uh, The LE models and the premium models uh, They have a, a different bottom arch A metal one And they have uh, sort of illuminated um, inserts on them And in this case The kits basically replace the the plastic inserts That you've got there and, uh, and allow you to put the QR code reader in there And come with decals to add to the game But along with the, the Wi-Fi dongle And the micro SD card And the wiring kits as well so, uh, yeah, there are a few sort of awkward games where it doesn't quite work that way, such as uh, Batman, Elvira, The Beatles, and Stranger owned, Things. Uh, Stranger things. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not uh, available yet for those games, but, but will be soon. I mean, obviously they're obviously working flat out to get this system pushed out to as many people as they possibly can. Right. Yeah. And the big signs yeah, sorry, decals and yeah. signs and things that you can stick up to say this is a Insider Connected game.
1: Yeah, okay. Now, if you have any questions about um, uh, Insider Connected, George Gomez did a uh, a full hour seminar on uh, at Pinball Expo on the uh, the subject of uh, Stern Insider Connected, where he went into very much detail about the uh, the possibilities it creates for uh, operators and players. And uh, um, um, I think it was rather interesting and I think Stern is even uh, planning on educating operators how to uh, to use uh, Insider Connected to, to boost their uh, revenue, which I think is a positive thing um, and also probably uh, much needed because... There are plenty of operators who are no marketeers or have no clue how to handle all this data that suddenly is Mm. available to them. So you might have to teach them first what the data is telling them and how they can benefit from knowing this data um, to their advantage.
0: Yeah, there are are a couple of uh, very interesting points coming out of that, that seminar at Pinball Expo. Uh, one of which was about the uh, the timeline for the rollout of uh, Insider Connected. It's um, it was originally going to be much further developed than it is at the moment before it was launched. But the pandemic uh, basically put a, a, a stop to all work. The funding for it was uh, was frozen when the, when the factory was shut down and uh, was only fairly recently reinstated. So it, it should there's there an awful lot more to come. For the Insider Connected program and what you're able to do with it, and the uh, the features and the, and the challenges and the, uh, everything you, you'll get from from scanning yourself in to a to a game before you play it, but that's going to roll out over the the coming year. And uh, uh, it was also interesting to um, try to get what The other interesting point was, um, yeah, the, the, how it was developed from the the uh, all access. Thing which was a John Buscalier, um driven sy- uh, system in order to provide a kind of loyalty scheme right. for pinball players, and um, and also the fact that George said that uh, that he he is sort of very much a, a proponent of downloadable content for games. You know, he, was, he was likening it to his Xbox or his PlayStation. Now when 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 he uh, when you when you uh, di- when you Playing a, a racing game that it then offers you the opportunity to buy n- another pack of, of different cars that you could be racing. And he, he said, uh, I am the guy that, that kind of buys that stuff. And that's what's uh, that's what's driving his thoughts, really, yeah. as far as uh, Insider Connected goes and, yeah. and downloadable content in general for yeah. new games.
1: So, so, and and that, Dan, uh I think he mentioned a couple of things, uh, although um I might not remember it correctly um mm-hmm. but he mentioned like um uh you, with certain achievements you can uh download uh, exclusive artwork for example um uh, in 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 some way and and print that yourself or or what have you uh but but he gave a couple of examples in that seminar of the 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 benefits of playing with Insider Connected and how it enhances your game, and you can also collect certain stuff that you otherwise would not be able to collect. So yes, that's, that's right. There's was like a
0: treasure chest where you, you get given gifts and uh, exactly. and achievements, and achievements as well, which is a big thing. And you're able to get the the badges, as you said, to get those uh, either electronically or, or in physical form. If if you uh, that's a thing you like collecting, right. So, um, but there's a, there's a, there's a, as I say, a lot of this is going to be rolling out in in big ways over, in, throughout twenty twenty two. So uh, keep an eye on uh, on on what insider uh, on on a uh, insider pin insider connected is, is going to have. Not pin insider connected yeah. uh, necessarily, and uh, and of course we will uh, bring you all the details here as well. Right. There was one other thing that
1: I found uh, very interesting, uh, although it wasn't mentioned in the uh, stern insider connected. S- uh, seminar uh, mm-hmm. actually Keith Elwin mentioned it in the Godzilla seminar where um, basically he indicated that Godzilla was supposed to be a George Gomez game mm-hmm. um, up to the point where uh, George said uh, told told Keith like uh, Keith, Keith had shown interest in the theme and George told him that he couldn't get it because he wanted to do it himself um, and then George was too busy with Insider Connected uh, at least that's what I assume. So um, yes, I that,
0: think that's right. Yeah. And, and also, don't get George to bring out his own game as well, right? So, uh, so that's how
1: Keith ended up doing uh, Godzilla instead of George, and that sort of made me wonder. And I was hope uh, I, I did try to ask that question in the chat uh, of the seminars uh, at Pinball mm-hmm. Expo, but uh, didn't get uh, uh, asked to George. Which I was hoping would happen. Um, I'm actually curious whether we will see another game from George, or whether he's now more dedicated to making uh, Insider Connected become a uh, a success. So, but uh, mm. well, we don't mm. know the answer yet. So hopefully, we get the chance to ask George in the future. Maybe he come to uh, to London or uh, another show in the US where he uh, where he might be.
0: Willing to answer that question? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm uh, more on that later, but um, that's only just. Um, a, well, that's, that's just one of the things that uh, that's, that's been going on at Stern. Well, one of the other things we go on at Stern. We have mentioned Seth as president and inside the connected kits, but um, there's, there's been game releases as well or game announcements. So yes. let's start with uh, the well, first reveals.
1: Even it,
0: yeah, um, yeah, two um, Maybe, yeah. Uh,
1: the first being uh, the fortieth uh, anniversary. Sorry about that. The fortieth anniversary edition rerun of Elvira's House of Horrors, um, and no, it's not that Cassandra Peterson, who plays the character of Elvira, turned forty. No, she turned seventy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Elvira is already forty years part of her life, um, and that's uh, celebrated with this uh, uh, special edition. Uh, limited to one hundred and ninety nine units. And what was interesting in the press release and um I think yeah no it was only mentioned in the in the press release. Um there was mm-hmm. usually Stern mentions the uh, MSRP uh for their games. In this case uh, all they said was uh, call for a price.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um rumor has it that the game is sold to distributors for fifteen thousand dollars, and they are free to market up with whatever they think they can get for it.
0: Hmm. Yes, it's a uh, it's a strange, strange game, but um, a strange release. But um,
1: it's, it's not the first time that they they, they 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 bend at the distributor pricing model a little bit. I think CERN is uh, sort of testing the waters with how far they can uh go with these type of um uh new uh pricing strategies i mean if you remember uh when they did beatles mm. um the games were sold in uh lots of ten uh seven gold uh two uh, uh, di- uh two platinums and one so, diamond yeah. game uh yes. for a total price of i think seven uh, from the top of my head don't get don't don't me on it if it's wrong, but I think $70,000 uh, for t- uh, ten, 10 of those games, and distributors were all free to charge whatever they wanted for those games. Mm. Um, this is slightly different, but still with some similarities.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's the, the model kind of sits in underneath the signature edition. Of Elvira's House of Horrors, which was the one that came with the little swatch from her couch, right. which I think there are only like fifty of those or something yes. like that.
6: Yes.
0: And um, and above the limited edition version, which um, I don't know how many of those there were. I can't remember exactly, but uh, the 199 of these. So um, it's um, the design of it is uh, has very purple. I think it's fair to say it's got purple yes. trim, purple legs, purple llama, every everything I, I, I think all round. Sort
1: of- some of the red or some of the red in the original cabinet uh, has now been turned to
0: purple yes it 's got different different cabinet artwork as well uh I think the back box is the same except it's it 's now got a an Elvira forty years sticker applied to it as as has yeah. the cabinet as well so i don 't think that 's changed, but I think it might have some different um interior art as well and and the game comes with uh an autographed uh, Elvira trading card, which the signature edition did as well, uh, but also a a an autographed uh, copy of her memoirs, uh, Yours Cruelly, Elvira's Memoirs of the Mistress of the Dark. Right. So so that comes with that. Although I suspect that's probably not too difficult to get elsewhere, if uh, if that was the thing that sealed the deal for you. But uh, yeah, it comes with. Um, uh, what they call uh, Paranormal Purple Sparkle Powder Coated Pinball Armor. Right. So, there you go. And, of course, um, it's, being a new game from Stern, it means it comes with the Insider Connected already installed, which um, is the first Elvira game to have that.
1: Right. Okay. So, uh, um, I would not be surprised if all 199 units are already sold out. Yes, I think so, yeah. Uh, but you might still be able to find one uh with with certain distributors i suppose um but yeah, um, yeah it's it's interesting to see um uh, a rerun of, of of a game that i personally didn't think was going to see a rerun
0: no or
1: or a new model uh i wasn't expecting this one so
0: no but uh, i mean i've seen the i've seen prices being quoted of uh, 25 to 28 from distributors so I think that's um, that's not a bad markup for uh, for a designer uh, for a distributor if they are getting it for fifteen and can sell it for uh, you know ten thousand or or more more, right. Right. which isn't bad.
1: Yep. No. Exa- uh True. But yep. this wasn't the only new game that Stern it announced. It most certainly
0: was not, um, because well, we know or um, well, we're very familiar with the uh, Jurassic Park pin that was uh, designed by Keith Elwin, has been right. out for some time, but yes. there's, there's now a new home version of uh, Jurassic Park pin, as in capital pin, um, which has been designed by Jack Danger. And right. I think this has been sort of quite widely trailed that he was working on a project for Stern Pinball. And right. this is exactly what he's been doing as his, as his first game design them. Yeah. Jack, Jack obviously very well known as a, as a pinball um, internet streamer through his Dead Flip Twitch channel and YouTube channels. Okay. But um, and and of course he's been designing his own game. In uh, fact, several games on his uh, on his YouTube channel. You can you can see his progress there and uh, had um, help from from many people in order to to bring that to conclusion. And I think when he did. He was he sufficiently impressed Stern and George Gomez that they uh, they offered him a job doing uh, design, and uh, this is the first title from him.
1: Yes, and I think it's um, uh, very interesting that um, if you do your first game and you get immediately the license for Jurassic Park, I think they have a very good faith in in the qualities of Jack as a uh, as a designer.
0: Yes, this is. Um, this is the the home version as we said before and it's uh, no it's it's the next in the in the series of of pin games and, yeah, it's, which, um, and
1: and for 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 future years um stern tends to come out with such a game uh such a uh, home version game in the uh, in the fall um trying to yeah. uh, uh, benefit from the from the christmas season i suppose
0: that's right yeah get all those holiday season sales uh, and and indeed, they are going to uh, be producing it in time for that. For that, and it's um, it, it's a smaller game. It, obviously, there, there are some uh, some cost reductions because it hits the price point of four thousand five hundred ninety nine dollars, yeah. which is uh, one thousand six hundred dollars less than the pro version, and um, one thousand nine hundred less if you uh, if you consider the pro with the entirely connected. QR code reader installed, right? Which they charge an extra three hundred four. So um, it's yeah, it's a decent saving, and un- un- unusually, it's not just a, a re-arting of an existing home uh, home version which we've seen before. It's actually a completely different design with, that Jack's come up with, yeah. and, uh, and different software from and it uh, has a, wasting, a wasting Very chain.
1: interactive toy, which we haven't seen earlier on the uh, on the pin models.
0: Yes, um, well, that's right. Yes, uh, that me- mechanical designer Rob Blakeman's come up with a, a very nice um, T-Rex mouth design, which which allows the balls to roll in underneath and and come out through the mouth itself. Right. Which um, which uh, I think it, it makes it more more interactive than the pro model is. To be honest, because I think the pro model doesn't doesn't do much, does it? So the, uh, the the T-Rex head above the ram.
1: jet. Sorry, can't can't answer that. So. Um uh it's also nice to mention that uh software uh was done by Wayne Cheng yeah who uh well it's a regular uh, face at Stern uh, i think he uh, he worked a lot on uh, WrestleMania back in the day and uh, uh other games as well uh, actually he was already there when Stern was still doing dot matrix games so he's uh, almost a senior at Stern I would say
0: <laughs> yeah he's been doing some uh, quite a lot of stuff on the insider connected as well um, I, I believe so. Uh, yeah. So the the team there put that together, and um, yes, if you want to, it, it's being sold through the standard distributor network. There's, uh, I don't think it's uh, going to be sort of turning up in uh, in a supermarket or uh, like a uh, Walmart or or a Walmart or a, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, contact your uh, your, stern, your usual stern distributor if you're interested in getting one of those. The yeah. The, the, the only, I would say the only downside to me is that they, they, the display is very small on that game. It has an LCD display, but it is really quite tiny. Well, that's and,
1: one of the things that's easiest to upgrade if you want to.
0: Oh, well, yes, but you'd have to replace the whole um, speaker panel, of, yes. Yeah, speaker panel. It could be done, and I'm assuming it's just a, a standard like HDMI feed going into it. Right. But uh, it it just seems that it could be you know, a little bit bigger than that, and it would it would would shout you know as being good value. Whereas that that to me looks like a cheapening of it, where the rest of it, the rest of it looks you know, absolutely top notch. Oh
1: yeah, it looks like a very good game. Um, mm-hmm. Still consider, uh, I think the uh, um, the playfield and possibly also the cabinet is uh, not uh, standard plywood but uh,
0: MDF. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and the cabinet sort of bolted together as well in with uh, with highly visible bolts. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a cabinet, and you, you know, and as people have said many times, you don't play the cabinet.
1: No, but if you put it in a moist room, then MDF <coughs> is not your friend. I suppose
0: that's true. Yeah.
1: So yeah, uh, but congratulations to uh, to Jack on his first game,
0: and yes, uh, and the rest of the team, of course. Um, and more congratulations to you as well at Stern Pinball because uh, yes. the at Pinball Expo, uh, Gary Stern was uh, yeah. had a, had a nice uh, presentation made to him.
1: Yes, he was um, inducted into the International Video Game Hall of Fame in the category of Walter Day Lifetime Achievement Award for the class of twenty twenty one. Mm. Um, which is quite a mouthful, but... uh, It is, yeah. Uh, So, uh, uh, I suppose it's a Lifetime Achievement Award, and um, many of you may not uh, uh, be familiar uh, with the video games that Gary Stern actually was involved in uh, during his days at Stern Electronics.
0: Yes, it was, uh, Stern was were a major producer of, uh, of video games during the, the boom of the, uh, the early 80s. And uh, I'm not a, a video game historian, so I wouldn't be able to uh, read off any of the titles that, that they did produce. But I, I'm fully aware that they did produce many of them.
1: Yes, um, I don't think there were that many standout titles. I think They might have had one hit game. Um,
0: which I can't remember what the title is. So here's a contest. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to remember Berserk as being one of theirs, but uh, I could be I could be uh, wrong on that. So, but I, I, I do seem to tie in Berserk game with seeing big stern logo on the side of the cabinet. But uh, well, yeah, go on then. Do your do your uh, your contest and uh, and, uh, and and what the prize is.
1: Yeah, then we have to give away video games. Um, <laughs> or, sorry, then we have to give give away prizes. We only do that on um, uh, on, on on our yes, uh, yeah. So you think you events. know quiz? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yes. And as um, we haven't been able to go to any shows recently, we haven't been doing that. Right. So, but I do have a
1: list of. Um, uh, arcade games manufactured by uh, Stern Electronics. Oh, okay. Okay, I can name a few. It's a list of, like, I think close to 30 titles. Uh, Berserk is uh, certainly one of them. Asteroid Invader, Scramble, Super Cobra, Turtles, uh, Armored Car, Amidar, uh, programmed Mm -hmm. by Konami, Frenzy, uh, Tutankham, Puyan, Rescue, and either, um, it's all titles that I <laughs> seriously I never, ever played. But, uh, well, so the, the, it's like a, a list of, I think, close to 30 titles. So um, uh, so well, it's, it's uh, very uh, uh, logical to induct Gary Stern into the, uh, or at least award him a Lifetime Achievement Award for his work in... Uh, uh, arcade video games uh, between the period of 1980 and 1984.
0: So. No, okay, that was the uh, that was the time span, was it? Yes. Okay, great. And, well, after uh, which he was doing east huddle- I suppose. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, um, I do remember Stern uh, at the end. Uh, in the early days of Stern Pinball, as we know it, they also did a, uh, a Monopoly Redemption game and mm. uh, oh, they yeah. experimented with a Spider-Man Redemption game and, and some other stuff. But I think they quickly abandoned those. Um, and many people might not even read it. Well, Spooky uh, Cookie Carnival uh, or Simpsons Cookie Simpsons Carnival. Yeah. yeah, it's also not a pinball machine, but developed by uh, by by Stern. So.
0: Yeah, originally um, called Simpsons Crazy Carnival, but uh, subsequently ch- renamed. Oh, okay. There you go.
1: Right. Okay. Then uh, some hot news, uh, mm-hmm. which was uh, shared all over um, uh, uh, social media, and I was very happy uh, that that it happened. Um, there was a uh, photo shoot by um, actress and uh, uh, singer Jennifer Lopez. Not a very unfamiliar name, I suppose. Um, no. posing in a, a, a game room in front of a, a Stern Jurassic Park uh, game of course uh, Stern uh, shared it but uh, many other people also uh, shared, fo- shared photos of um, well, uh, can't ignore that she's a beautiful woman and uh, a very sexy one and it's uh, very interesting to see her pose in a, in, a, in a game room too bad she wasn't playing a game just posing with the machines and uh, the 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 vibe of that room, I suppose, in terms of lighting and so on. Uh, very nice photos. So, if you're on social media, uh, either you already saw them or look them up.
0: Mm. I, I have to admit, I didn't see that one, but uh, I I will go and check it out. Thank you.
1: Okay. So and then, um, well, there's code update news.
0: Um, yeah. Two, uh, yeah. Well, uh, we just mentioned. I think that um, there are a couple of code updates for Godzilla, which is not really yeah. surprising considering it's the, the latest game and uh, still actively being developed. Um, version zero point eight zero point zero is the, yes. the current version, and uh, before that was version zero point seven nine point oh. zero, which uh, had quite a lot of changes to it, and uh, not um, unsurprisingly. But um, there's too many to list here, really. But there's a there's lot of uh, lot of mode changes, a lot of uh, scoring change, uh, uh, balance changes. Um, so super jackpots and things score two million rather than one million, and some some values have gone up, some have gone down. So it's just just little tweaks to make it a little more balanced in the way right. that the game plays, as well as a few <clears throat> a few bugs, of course, uh, as we always get, and. Um, some uh, well, some adjustment changes as well in the menus for uh, you know, how how long people will get to play the modes. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in that, you're only be interested in that if you've got the game really or are about to play it. So, if you are, go to the CERN website and you can you can go to the uh, to the uh, software download menu. Uh, click on the you accept to sign away your life, and you can read the notes for yourself.
1: Right. Okay. And uh, last but not least, on Stern Pinball, obviously they had a, a big presence at uh, Pinball Expo, um, mm-hmm. which started with uh, a uh, a virtual tour of the Stern factory, which was actually a paid event that you uh, had to pay sixty dollars for. Um, it was a a live read from the um, from the factory, which was broadcast in uh, a special room. Uh, at Pinball Expo that you could only access if you bought a ticket. Um, and that stream would not be shared anywhere else, so I haven't seen it. And then nope. um, um, traditionally, Stern sort of takes over the uh, Pinball Expo Saturday um, after the um, uh, the autograph session. Yes. Um, so if you're uh, interested in uh, hearing from uh, various Stern uh, pinball designers and uh, and other employees. Um, it uh, started at 3 p.m. with the, the making of Led Zeppelin, uh, hosted by Tim Saxon and not surprisingly no mm-hmm. Steve Ritchie, although Steve designed mm-hmm. the game, uh, followed by Jack Danger and Jason uh, discussing their Jurassic Park project um, the, um, uh, the Making of the Mandalorian with Brian Eddy and Dwight Sullivan was uh, was next after that. George Gomez, yep. this is uh, Insider, Insider Connected talk, mm-hmm. followed by Keith Elwin and his team uh, discussing Godzilla. And it was uh, uh, the evening was closed off with uh, Family Feud Without the Family, uh, a quiz uh, hosted by Dwight Sullivan and Corey
0: Stubb. Yep. Yeah. So basically, Stern took over the entire Saturday after, uh, evening session. Yeah. Um, with seminar yeah. after seminar after seminar.
1: Yes. Um, but uh, highly informative, uh, highly recommended. So check out uh, Pinball Expo on Twitch to 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 watch these seminars
0: again. Yes, and uh, also um, a little plug there. If you go to the Pinball News article about it, you can see a oh. sh- short write up about each one, uh, as well as a, a link to, uh, to take you straight to the relevant portion of the uh, the Pinball Expo Twitch stream, um, right. because it's at the moment, um, and I'm sure it will change, uh, the entire day is just presented as one long, uh, like, 13-hour clip, and to find the actual seminar you want is not so easy, yeah. certainly not to find the start of it, when you're scrolling along 13 hours of a timeline, trying to find yeah. the exact Second, where the seminar starts, and uh, and not the bit where they're setting up the microphones and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah. those those, 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 those,
6: those links links are news, available
0: Scotland, Yeah, on on
1: pinball news, um, mm-hmm. and I also have on the, on the pinball magazine uh, website a uh, uh, an article with the highlights of pinball expo that also cl- includes uh, the links to uh, the direct links to these uh, video
0: seminars. Excellent. So, yeah. Okay. So we so uh, we got you covered wherever you uh, <laughs> wherever you end up uh, reading about it. So that right. was um that was almost the end of the uh, the yeah, was, news but there's one <laughs> there's one more item though which um, which is indirect really and it's um it's a story about uh, a a chap called Wayne Tedder um oh, who who comes from uh, Ontario in Canada and has an and has beaten the world record for the longest playing uh, pinball player on the same game.
1: Nice one there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, um, It's the official title uh, recognized um, by the Guinness World Records Authority, uh, or it's going to be shortly, once it's verified, uh, and um, took place at, um, at the Player One Amusement Group, uh, their showroom in, uh, in Ontario uh, in a, a place called Mrs. Salga, who I don't know who she is, but apparently that's um, that's where it took place. And uh, and the reason this is in the Stern section is because uh, he was playing a Stern Beatles, a gold edition machine, right. uh, from Thursday, October the 21st, uh, from 8.09 a.m. And it continued until Saturday, October the 23rd. Eight oh nine a.m. So uh, two two full days, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, it was, it was all played on the same Beatles machine uh, without any problems. Although there was a standby machine available in case he needed it, but he didn't. So uh, okay, uh, congratulations to him and to um, and to Player One Amusements for hosting the whole thing, and to Stern for uh, producing a a Beatles game which stood up to forty eight hours of continuous play.
1: Yeah. Well, not only that. I, I, I can only imagine that Wayne Teller can't hear any Beatles songs from that <laughs> game anymore for, for for some time. I mean, um, no, no discredit to the game or whatsoever, but playing it f- for forty eight hours nonstop, um, I don't think you can you, you can hear. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations, Wayne. <laughs> yes, okay.
0: <laughs> Moving on, swiftly.
1: Um, yes, Haggis pinball in Australia.
0: Yes, um, they are They're building bi- their up. Celts game.
1: Yeah, and uh, providing us with lots of updates of, uh, well, almost anything you can think of.
0: Yeah, um, um, I seem to go in, in bursts of, of, of having no information and then going into overdrive and producing lots and lots but, uh, featuring every stand-up target and leaf switch and um, well, you name it, it's, um, it's, it's currently on sanding, their Facebook
1: page gluing of uh, enclosures, printing decals, yeah uh, um, you name it and you probably somebody you wiping the floor, you might actually see a video <laughs> of that as well yeah, so, that's right uh, but uh, no, it's good that they're, uh, that these updates are coming and um uh, the Celts, uh nearing production, I would expect.
0: Yes, uh, although there's, there's no sign yet of any any production of the Fathom revisited games. Though uh, I guess they want to get the Celts ones done and dusted and, and out and to the customers, and then they can really get their teeth into the Fathom games. Right.
6: So, um,
1: yeah. Um, so I, I suppose that's all to uh to report on. on I Aang's think so, pinball. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're on the other side of the world, um, Homepin has also been teasing quite a bit,
0: yeah, they have. Um, which is unusual because normally you don't get very much from from Mike and the team, but uh, yeah, he's been showing pictures of uh parts for the upcoming This Is Spinal Tap game, right? Which. Uh, which as, as we, uh, we announced here is, is their next, next title and is codenamed, well, they, re, they refer to it as Tap, uh, whereas the Thunderbirds game is referred to as Tag. So it, oh. that's not confusing at all. Uh, the, the Tag <laughs> name comes from back in the days when it was called Thunderbirds Are Go. It was right. going to be called Thunderbirds Are Go after the, uh, the TV series, but I, I don't know whether that's still, go, it's still going, whether it's gone, whether Thunderbirds are gone. But um, the the game is just called Thunderbirds anyway, Uh, so that's tag, and the final tap is tap. Anyway, so they've been showing um, pictures of uh, things like uh, the the toroidal transformer that's going to be used for for power on the game, rather rather than just using um, a switching power supply, which uh, Mike... In my opinion, quite rightly, as said, is, is not really designed for driving highly highly inductive loads like coils and solenoids and things like that, and um, and also the new metal bottom apron which he told us about before is going to re- which is going to replace the plastic one that was in in use for tag, um, but I think the ones he was showing on Facebook were actually Thunderbirds ones, or these had uh, Thunderbirds yes. artwork on. Yes. Um. Other than that, uh, there was a little sneak picture of a bit of the playfield from uh, Spinal Tap, showing some purple slingshot star posts, and um, and the added information that uh, the game will include pinball callouts from what it, what is uh, described as the original band members, but it doesn't say how many of them or or which ones. So, uh, but it's good that they've actually got some some custom callouts going yeah. into the game, which yeah, is excellent. Exactly.
1: Yes, so, uh, well, um, I'm still waiting for uh, photos of a completed uh, and fully built uh, play field. Obviously, uh, contractual obligations uh, uh, should have the game shipping uh, before the end of the year, and we're getting closer and closer.
0: Hmm. Yes, uh, but uh, equally those same contractual, uh, contractual obligations means they can't show it until it's fully approved by the licensor, I'm sure. So yeah, right. so that needs yeah, to be done. Yes. Yeah.
1: So Okay, then, um, well, let's move back to the uh, U.S. Um, mm-hmm. We found an interesting piece of information in the uh, San Antonio Express News regarding Deep Root Pinball.
0: Yes, in our previous coverage of that, I was uh, speculating and saying I, I, I didn't expect there would be any kind of criminal prosecution against Robert Mueller for um, everything that's gone down with the with the Deep Root family of companies, which includes Deep Root Pimble, and I thought it would just be limited to the civil cases, which uh, were a civil case which the SEC is uh, prosecuting and any potential um, civil cases from investors. But um, I could be wrong on that because according to the San Antonio Express News, the uh, Roberts, uh, um see what exactly it says, the San Antonio investment advisor Robert Jeffrey Mueller is facing possible criminal prosecutions after security regulators uh, referred their civil fraud case to the U.S. Attorney's Office and, and um, Robert's um, attorney, who is Jay, one of his attorneys, Jay Hullings, uh, said he'd already met with the assistant U.S. attorneys handling the case and said it's an investigation they are moving forward on. Uh, they may not have issued any, any subpoenas yet, but I think we can assume that those are probably coming so it sounds like they're expecting some uh, criminal prosecutions to be uh, mm. to be coming along and uh, in in uh, in preparation for that his lawyers have asked for $87,000 um to uh, in order to uh, to build his criminal defense in preparation for that so uh, no indication whether that's been approved yet i think um there was a freeze on um, most of the expenditure from, from the yes. deep root Fund, and but they were applying for for money for for living expenses, but uh, and also as we said last in the last pin cast, also for potentially um, preparing for uh, bankruptcy or uh, for or closure of the of the businesses. Right. But um, yeah, they're asking for extra money in order to uh, pr- prepare for criminal defence. Which is uh, well, it surprises me. I didn't think that was going to be happening, but we'll, we'll see yeah. if it does. Well, uh,
1: li- uh, living in Texas does have its its benefits, <laughs> but um, uh, if you're going to jail there, I'm not sure that's a benefit.
0: No, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, assuming that he was be uh, found guilty, of course, of any criminal. Uh, uh, um, misdeeds um, in, in, so, so
1: what that, um, um mm. i do have a question and i'm yeah. not sure whether you can answer it but if this turns out to be a uh, uh, a criminal case does that mean that he gets arrested and locked up or will he be able to uh, uh stay out of jail until he has a court hearing
0: uh, that that very much depends upon um, whether he's able to get to post bail or whether bail is granted in a situation like this. So it probably would be because I don't think he'd be much of a flight risk, to be honest. Um, being as well known, but you know him, him being able to post his own bail might be a bit difficult if all his assets have been seized. So uh, he might be, he might be able to lay, uh, you know, get somebody else to post bail on his behalf or. Uh, and and depends what the value of the bail is set at as well. So it's it's impossible to say, but I, I very much doubt he would be held in prison, to be honest. That's, right. that's just my take. But um, in the meantime, one other item of uh, Deep Root Pinball News is uh, if you were looking to go to their website in order to uh, remind yourself of uh, the, the story of, of Raza and, and the upcoming games, and um, well, basically the website's gone. It's been taken down. So, going to deeprootpinball.com dot com doesn't get you anywhere at all now. It just gets comes up with a, a site not found.
1: But there's always the internet archive.
0: There is indeed, yes, and uh, and it's. I'm sure it's been uh, been screen grabbed a, a number of times by various people over the years. Right. Hmm. So that's deep root news, I think, from uh, from San Antonio.
1: Well, uh, still some news. I wasn't expecting any. Um and of course the news that Stephen Bowden already has found uh, a new employer, mm. which we mentioned uh, earlier. Um do we know of any other uh, deep root employees that have found uh another employee yet?
0: Um no, I've seen I've seen a few posts from John Norris who's sort of been been touting his skills saying you know, basically uh, designer for hire. Um I'm available if, if you need any work doing. Um but uh, no, I don't know who. I don't know of any other confirmed um, appointments. If we put it that way,
1: right? Okay. Well, maybe. Um, who knows what will happen with um, some of the others that that were in uh, in San Antonio. Mm. Moving north, um, uh, close to um, uh, the the, the uh, upcoming uh, Midwest Gaming Classic.
0: Yes, Um,
1: don't remind us. (laughs) Spooky Pimble from uh, Benton, Wisconsin, had some news. Uh, The first news they had... No, that's not true, but... uh, They had some code updates, which I'll let you get into. Um, But um, uh, we mentioned earlier that they were working on an expansion of their building, um, and uh, they... uh, announced on their facebook page that the uh, final assembly and game inspection building edition is now finished so construction work is uh, uh, done and uh, they are doing the final assembly and game inspection in that uh, mm. section of the of of the uh, of the add-on so to speak, and it's done so
0: good. Good for them. And the pictures I've seen make it look a lot more spacious than it was previously in their, in their yeah. old building. So uh, right, well, they need to build f- a lot of games. So yeah, they do. Yeah, yes, and um, those two games that are currently building, of course, are, are Halloween and yes. Ultraman. Right. And now, uh, of course, Halloween has just been and gone. Of course, from uh, the end of end of uh, October, the last day the of the day you're covering. From. Yes, and indeed. Yes. And um, what better time to bring out a, a code update for the Halloween game? And yeah,
1: uh, but I understand
0: with lots of new video. Yes, apparently so. Well, lots of more audio added. Um, lots of movie audio clips added throughout it. But uh, but yes, yeah, so they they have added more video as well. In fact, there's a whole whole bunch of things. There's a bunch of fixes as well, but also um, just like tweaks and adjustments and and. Um, and some some more yeah some more clips like um, the asylum intro has been updated and uh, tilt animations are now different and uh, yeah there's a whole whole bunch of new animations and and light shows and and light shades as well in there so I think that's uh, that's starting yeah, to address some of the some of the concerns that people had I think when they first saw the game and thought it was uh, very lightly coded so it's it's coming together and it's going to take time but uh, they are moving there and this is. Uh, this is version well. This is version one point oh two, which uh, came out on Halloween, but was actually immediately removed uh, because version one point oh three is imminent. So by the time you listen to this, one oh three might even be on the website uh, and available to update. And right. also uh, Ultraman as well as we mentioned, uh, that also had a code update this month. One oh two, the same as the, as the Halloween was. And that's a smaller update, and just fixed a few few uh, sort of minor bugs in the game, and um, updated a few things like in the settings and like the, the flipper power and uh, and the timing for various things. So you know, not a huge update, but certainly worth having if uh, if you have an Ultraman, and uh, not many people have got them yet, but uh, more will be will be coming, I'm sure.
1: Right, so. Um uh also spooky related um trying to look it up right now um but I'm not scrolling fast enough I suppose <laughs> but I did see uh, the latest news uh well apparently there's a lot of uh halloween collectors editions uh being offered for sale uh, pr- uh priced at for example 1500 uh dollars where it's uh, a game that was like over 7000 dollars if i'm not mistaken um, so I'm wondering, are people selling uh, their entire game or their uh, spot in line for $1,500?
0: Well, I think because I think both uh, from what I've heard. And uh, you know, some people I know um, bought more than one and, uh, and are selling the second one in order to effectively try and get the, the, the enough profit to fund the first one which Is not a bad policy if you can do it, but it requires. I, th- I think when when people first knew about the game, everybody rushed in and bought it and it sold out very quickly. Then there was the usual sort of buyer's remorse, and a few people dropped out and some places became available and they were then taken up. And then when people started getting the games, I think that there was a sort of a slight underwhelming about the level of, of gameplay in it at that time, and, or even though everyone knows it's going to improve over time. But I think there's a uh, some people were uh, sort of were then looking to either bail out either on the game that they've got, or on their spot. So they're trying to sell that, but if they're trying to sell them for fifteen, and and they're getting that. Then that uh, that bodes well for uh, for how how well the game is is being uh, received.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but um, I mean uh i uh, see people offering their spots for fifteen hundred or $2000 um and then of course you still have to pay for the rest of the game
0: oh i see sorry i i was thinking 15000 you're saying 1500 right yes no 1500 yes right no. okay yeah no, so that's
1: no, it's, it's for 15000 you should <laughs> get two games i suppose no no Yes. so they're selling the spot in line uh, but you still have to pay the rest of the game as well
0: right okay so this is the, the deposit that they put down this is effectively what they're selling Right, yes, and they're spot in line, and uh oh well, but there's um
1: over a dozen, I would say uh, being offered right now, which I'm not so sure is a good sign
0: no, I would, I would agree with you in that if that's the case, yes, um that, that's probably the bit I was talking about just now where uh, where people were a bit underwhelmed when they first saw it and uh, decided to bail, but it's a non-refundable deposit, so uh, but it can be transferred, I guess,
1: right, okay. So anyway, I figured that uh, uh mentioned that briefly. So mm-hmm. let's move on to the no news section.
0: <laughs> well uh well we'll start with start with your your neighbours uh Dutch Pinball. And yeah. uh, you've been in touch with Barry and what, what's he got to say?
1: Well we briefly texted uh, today. Um I asked whether there was any news and basically he said um the uh, the sourcing of parts is improving and he's hoping to scale up production soon. Okay, that's, well, I'm that, sure he that, is. Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've been hoping for that for years. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's the news that I got. So, um, uh, I'll just share that with you and take it for whatever you think it's worth.
0: Mm, well, um, I mean, the sourcing of parts is obviously a problem, but it was, it was interesting that uh, one of the One of the things that come out of the uh, Pinwall Expo seminars, um, and I I forget exactly which seminar it was in. I was just hearing it. It might have been George's one. but um, I
1: think it was Gary Stern actually mentioned that um, uh, uh, they had a a problem. um, uh, Some of their games use a chip that is also used by Ford, Mm. Ford Motors.
0: Yeah, for the Um, F-150 truck.
1: Yeah, something like that. And um that makes it for them impossible to get or to source those chips, so they are building games that don't use that chip.
0: Yeah, but he also said that they they kind of preempted this um, this supply chain problem, or at least they saw it coming and uh, took took steps to try and mitigate it by by renting out a, a warehouse and stockpiling uh, the common parts they're going to be needing. So they've uh, they, they they bought all that and they they got um, I can't remember exactly how many they said but uh, but uh, yeah they they think they they've got enough parts to uh, to keep going and
1: uh, well that also explains why they are rerunning uh, Elvira I suppose
0: um, yeah I, I'm not sure whether how many unique parts there are in that game but uh, obviously they they. Uh, I was saying how difficult it is to get parts from suppliers, but they they think they're they're, um, they're in a good situation with their their uh, their stocks. I think Ford can make
1: a fortune if they start selling chips.
0: <laughs> yeah, fortunately, they, they also have to make cars and trucks, so which need them. So, well, uh, <clears> oh well, yeah. So, um, multimorphic. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really had any news from from Multimorphic, uh, other than this Jerry month.
1: being uh, at at Pinball Expo. Um, he, I don't think he did a seminar this
0: year. No, I don't think he did. No, um, they did have a, a big big selection of uh, p rock based homebrew games there, which uh, would obviously tie in well with the uh, the American Pinball American Dream competition, because of course American pinballers are uh, also using p rock still. On their, uh, on their games, and uh, although they, they they have stated their intention to move away from that in, in due course, there's, there's no sign of that happening just yet. So um, I, I'm, I'm assuming, I uh, didn't hear it for, for sure, but when uh, Legends of Valhalla was uh, was developed, it wasn't developed on P-Rock, but it was ported over to the uh, American Pinball system or maybe it was developed on p-rock but using p-rock uh, using um multimorphic driver boards and american pinball have their own yeah uh, have some of their own driver boards, so the the code for that and the drivers for that had to be rewritten for the american pinball system so that's uh, that's probably what, what what went on there but uh, no that uh, that homebrew section at uh, uh, using p-rock games at uh, or using the p-rock system at uh, american at the pinball expo would be uh, could well be where the winner of uh, the American Dreams competition comes from, so uh, if you've got a chance to play those, you may be uh, you know one step ahead when it when it comes to seeing what the next American pinball title is going to be
1: but but isn't that going to i mean if you develop a game on the p three system mm. uh, would American Pinball be able to take that into production i, I suppose uh, they could but it's not going they don't have like the cabinets for the p three in their arsenal, so I'm not sure whether that would work. Although it's very likely that a third party or an outside party starts developing kits for P3 as well. doesn't have to necessarily be multimorphic, of course.
0: No, no. Well, I mean, other companies have certainly produced software games for it.
1: Right. Uh, but they might as well uh, uh, produce
0: hardware kits. Yeah, no reason why not, as long as has got the manufacturing uh, capability or can work with multi to uh, to manufacture it for them. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, okay. But uh, but I rather don't see anybody coming up with B three designs and so on uh, because that will look my my uh, um, uh, entry look rather uh, pale, I suppose, or stale What's the word?
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Oh well. So so uh, th- I don't encourage and, and and I don't encourage and encourage anybody <laughs> to uh, to bring their best game no, no, I, I, please
0: don't no no so Le- leave it leave it clear for you to win right yes, yeah very good. exactly yeah okay so, i'm sure well, that, f- sure that will uh, everyone will will, uh, will f- heed your advice and uh, right turn, so, turn so, up with an empty box
1: okay so maybe this is um uh, uh speaking of this uh, american uh, dream co- contest um Maybe this is uh, something to consider for Pimble Adventures. Ah, Just take nice take, their pun, take their punny factory prototype to uh, to Pimble Expo next year, and maybe American Pimble will do the manufacturing.
0: Ah, but why would they do that? Because a a new video from uh, Pimble Adventures. That uh, came out this month um, shows all their manufacturing capabilities. Um, it showed their their office, their test area, and uh, manufacturing facilities for cutting plastic, metalwork, wood. Um, of course, uh, what we didn't, what wasn't said, was that uh, we think all those were well. The, certainly, the the uh, the industrial side of it um, were. Contract manufacturers who are doing work for Pinball Adventures in in producing parts for them, mm-hmm. and and constructing um, assemblies, but um, that's not obviously their only job because uh, well you can't buy a punny factory at the moment, even if you wanted to, so they wouldn't survive very long with no sales. But it was it was kind of presented as uh, as Andrew going round um, the various factories as, as if they were his and saying this is where we produce this this is where we produce that and but as in fact um i don't know it it seemed a bit odd anyway put it that way if you want to uh to see it for yourself you can uh go to the Pinball adventures website and um actually you can't go to the website because uh the website's down is, <laughs>
1: oh, is that back online no it's not no, um, you, you can watch it on, on youtube
0: yeah, It was on YouTube. You can certainly watch okay. it on YouTube. I think we mentioned before they had those videos still available on there. Uh, there's no indication of the availability of the game or uh, what its eventual price is going to be. Uh, there, was, there were some other shots in the design area uh, which uh, showed a little bit of uh, the Elements game, which was uh, slated to be their second title, mm-hmm. and um, which seemed to have a completely different display and, um, and cabinet design to Punny oh. Factory, which seems odd. You'd think if you were starting off with a new company, you'd have some commonality, at least in the in the cabinet. But no, that was very different. It had um, the display and speakers were actually in a, in, a, in a top box, not actually in the back box, oh. which is maybe not exactly where you'd want to have your display. But uh, there you go. The, uh, the back box was just a, a complete piece of artwork and uh, with no display in it at all. The third game was also glimpsed, or a third game, was also glimpsed. Couldn't quite see what it was, uh, but it was also in another different design of a cabinet. So, hmm. but they did have a display in the back box at least. Okay, so,
1: they're not making it easy on themselves.
0: No, I mean maybe these are just uh, prototype ideas, and uh, they'll they'll pick one and and go with it when they right. actually start producing. But uh, for now. Um, Interesting, but a, a lot of promotion, a lot of self-promotion, and uh, but no indication of actually anything being available yet. Right.
1: Okay. Um, moving on to um, Pinball Brothers, uh, based in Europe, manufacturing in Italy.
0: Yeah, um, no, in, no news other than the fact they're still still churning out uh, aliens, um, either in the right. the standard version or the limited version. Right, and, uh, uh, and they, the, they are and the being delivered. Prod-
1: and the Queen prototype still being on display in the Queen uh, pop-up uh, store, I suppose.
0: It is. It is. It's still in London. It's going to be there until, well, basically after Christmas. So, sort of January is when it will be there. Um, it's interesting, there there's another pop-up store just appeared uh, just around the corner, which uh, is a David Bowie pop-up store. Right? So I haven't seen anything about that. Previously, there was a Who one, which, which um, that was Ooh. a couple of years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they had a had had a Tommy um, game in there, right. but uh, as there's no, as there's no David Bowie game, um, uh, sadly no pinball in the in the David Bowie pop up shop.
1: David well, David Bowie game could be cool.
0: Yeah, plenty of plenty of uh, material to work with there. Um, anyway, moving on to uh,
1: to a company where we do have some. News. I can just see the steps of Let Let's Dance.
4: <laughs> da, 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 da.
1: uh, Every time you make a shot, I I can Mm. see that work. So, oh, well. Um, Good for homebrew. Yeah. So, Mm. um, uh, oh, maybe a good... Here's a suggestion for someone to enter the American (laughs) Dream contest. Do a David Bowie pin. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, um, uh, I suppose sort of last but not least um we haven't discussed Jersey Jack Pinball yet um uh i suppose the most interesting news from Jersey Jack Pinball was that they hired a fourth uh, pinball designer in the person of uh Mark Sidon, who is a uh, known uh designer in the uh, homebrew community He's been working on a game called Metroid, which was also on display at uh, Pinball Expo. Mm, But uh, uh, prior to Pinball Expo, Jersey Jack already announced that they hired him. So uh, probably to avoid anybody else, uh, any other manufacturers uh, scooping Mark uh, away. So, uh, yeah,
0: interesting. Um, there's obviously a, a, a trend developing here, you know, with uh, Jack Danger developing his homebrew machine and being snapped up by Stern. Uh, Riot Pinball team developing their homebrew game, getting snapped up by American. Keith
1: Elwin was the Keith Elwin, yeah,
0: did yeah. Archer, yeah, yes. with his brother Randy, yeah, get snapped up by Stern. And now Mark has, uh, has done his Metroid game and he's been snapped up by Jersey Jack. Right, so, and, yeah, and yeah, that seems Scooter. to be the way into the business. Yeah, yeah, Josh, Josh Kugler. Kugler, of course. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah, did the the Kugler family, amongst others, and did and a follow up game one. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, so, uh yeah, that, that's your route into pinball business. If uh, if if that's what you want to do, I think uh, prove you can design a game and build it and see it through to conclusion, and uh, yeah. and that that's how you get in.
1: Right, and uh, well, uh, congratulations to Mark for landing yeah, the job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, what's very interesting, um, I, I think, from uh, the, the, the perspective of a, a junior game designer like Mark um, coming into a country, um, being able to be mentored by both Pat Lawler and Steve Ritchie, um, I don't think it doesn't get any better than that.
0: Well, and Eric, of course, as well, who's, uh, who's got quite yeah, a lot of experience well, in developing games, and uh, and knows the electronics inside out as well. Yeah, so, exactly. uh, so yeah, it's, yeah, what a great position! And uh, it, was, it was a bit strange though because I didn't I didn't get any sort of pressure release from Jersey Jack Pinball about no, that at all. Me
1: neither. I think we pissed off somebody over there, and um, mm. oh well, mm-hmm. it was on their Facebook, and we uh, we noticed it so. Uh, happy to bring you the news, happy for Mark uh, to be on board at the team. But uh, uh, you'd you'd expect a press release for uh, news like that. Although it it might still be, I think it could be two years before we see Mark's first game being taken into production at the current pace. And that's not a stab at JJP, but um, uh, we're still waiting to see whenever their next title will be announced and they're uh, as it looks right now they're they're probably busy building Guns N' Roses at least until March of next year or maybe even summer next year so who knows uh, yes yeah. they can uh, 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 set up a second assembly line um, we'll, well we'll just have to to wait and see but if you wanted to announce anything then I suppose Pinball Expo was a good uh, place to do it and I don't think they discussed anything of a timeline for when the next game uh, will be available.
0: Well, I think they have got some history of uh, of announcing a game or their next title at the Midwest Gaming Classic. That's certainly happened in the past. Uh, I can't remember which game it was, whether it was Wonka. No, it wasn't Wonka. Yeah, it no. was Wonka, Wonka, wasn't it? No. Uh,
1: well, Wonka was, it was simultaneously at yeah. G C and uh, in Europe as well, yeah. yes.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, th- they have revealed games at MGC in the past, So, uh, so I th- and, and as MGC is taking place uh, this coming weekend, who knows, perhaps we might see yeah, the next game but there.
1: That was when MGC was taking place in April, and now MGC yes. is taking place in November, so that might be a difference.
0: Yeah, but you know, if the timing's right, they, they've uh, they've they've certainly worked with uh, the with Dan and the team at uh, MGC to to do a, a launch like that in the past. So uh, wouldn't be right. uh, wouldn't be new ground for them. Although the time of year, as you say, is different. Right. But anyway, um, yeah. So apart from uh, Mark being uh, being appointed as uh, as, a, as uh, their their newest member of the design team, uh, and again, congratulations to him, JJP. Um, have been, uh, I think we mentioned this before about, uh, um, um, uh, maybe we didn't, I think we did, about uh, teaming up with Scorebit. Yes, we certainly have mentioned that in the past, and, um, yes. and they've introduced their achievements system into yeah. the JJP um, games, yeah. and uh, we will talk well, a little bit more about that soon. But um as
1: in a couple of
0: minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, no what
1: well, the news here is that uh, apparently JJP and Scorbit um recorded a video uh together which they published explaining uh, uh how the achievements work and so on. And you can watch that on YouTube. And if you receive the uh, Pimble magazine uh, monthly newsletter, uh, there will be a link in there uh, linking you to that video as well as to other videos discussed earlier in this uh Pincast, of course. So um, that was sort of the news uh, that there is this video. Um. Yes. And, uh, of course, um, well, we have this interview coming up with uh, the, the, the people from Scorebit in a couple of mm-hmm. minutes. So stay tuned for that uh, because that in- includes more info on, on how it works on JJP games as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, but other than that, there's been uh, some code updates, of course. Um, yeah, no month which would be complete without mostly
1: them. related to those uh, uh, achievements. Which, uh, uh, well, there are code updates for various games: Gundam, mm. dialed In, uh, Wizard of Oz, and and Hobbit. Uh, so almost all JJP titles uh, received a code update, uh, implementing uh, achievements. Uh, with uh, Scorb, yeah, which is, uh, and which is it's
0: nice. um, it's interesting because the, the Hobbit um have been asking for some some updates for that, but but all of them, um, in addition to the implementation of the achievements award, they've also had some some bug fixes and and other tweaks to the game and to, to the core code as well to make to, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't actually ex- um, specify exactly what they are. But um, maybe uh, no, if there's only some some little niggles in in the game which um, have been annoying over the years, then maybe they've it's got fixed in the latest update as well. But anyway, yeah. nice to see nice to see all of them getting a, getting some love, all the way from Wizard of Oz up to uh, Guns and Roses, all getting the achievements from Scorbit added. Yeah, there was one thing uh,
1: I noticed in the uh, code update for Dialed In that uh, sort of raised my eyebrows. Mm. Um the dial-in mobile app is no longer supported from this new version forward. Um, Yeah. Obviously, that that, that was something that uh, 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 when the game was announced, uh, that that was certainly something that they showed off and uh, uh, was certainly one of the uh, uh, important features on the game. Um, But no more.
0: Yeah, it was a world first to uh, to flip the ball, where uh, use the flippers from the from the phone. It's uh, a bit disappointing that's been taken out. I don't know why that is. Whether there's some uh, security violations now, uh, which means that they can't they're not allowed to do that anymore. But I originally thought, oh, maybe now they've uh, they've added the scorebit stuff in. They've uh, they've had to take out the Bluetooth connection and and replace it with a with a Wi-Fi one. But of course the uh, they also allow the connection of Bluetooth headphones to the game, as well. So, uh, which you can access by uh, by holding in the right flipper button in, in a track mode, and uh, and that requires a Bluetooth dongle to, to be connected. So, you no, know, its Bluetooth connections are still there. So, I don't know why the mobile app is not not supported anymore. But uh, I mean, it was it was kind of a, it seemed like a bit of a one and done thing that it was there and it did what it did, and it was wasn't going to be developed any further. Mm But uh, I suppose they can at least claim to to have been the first to implement such a thing, no matter how practical it was to actually use it.
1: Right, okay. And uh, closing off with uh, uh, Jersey Jack Pinball news, I suppose, um, Pat Lawler did a uh, a seminar on Pinball Expo, um, which I seriously thought was... Probably the uh, well, I haven't seen all of them yet. Um, but I was watching this, and I was like, "This is pure gold." Pat was really on mm. fire. Mm. It, was, it was really a very interesting uh, seminar where he, he he dove into his forty-one year career in uh, CoinUp, uh, digging up stories and uh, details that I was not aware of. Uh, so. Pure gold, thank you, Pat. From from the yes,
0: bottom of my heart. Uh, well, I thoroughly recommend that you uh, you go to the the link either on the uh, Pinball magazine site or the Pinball News site and and watch Pat Lawler's seminar. Um, of all the ones, I think it's it's probably well from a historical point of view, it's uh, it's it's certainly the most most interesting one of the entire show. Um, it's it's kind of like the opposite end of the of the spectrum from all the the new game design teams, telling you how they produce their games now, to go yeah. back and see how how games used to be produced and the and the interactions between various companies, including you know court cases and and how Williams were you know poised to to get out of pimple altogether in 1983 if they hadn't won a, a patent case against Dave Nothing Associates. Um, who held the patent for the uh, use of microprocessors to control a pinball machine? Uh, fortunately, it was uh, they made some mistakes in the court case, and uh, that, that patent patent was uh, overruled, and uh, Williams carried on in pinball. But uh, it was touch and go at that point, as it had been for many companies at several various points in their history. But Pat Pat knows it all, and. Uh, he, can, he relates it in a very interesting and uh, accessible way. So, yeah, go and listen to it, if you haven't already, or go and watch him.
1: Yeah, so also uh, what I found interesting, uh, that was in the Jersey Jack seminar, uh, which is a different seminar. It was a, mm-hmm. the evening after the Pat Lawler seminar, um, where Pat made a comment where he basically said, like, uh, he got the feeling that people were expecting... Him and Steve Ritchie to be bitter enemies or something like that, and apparently they are best friends, or at least mm. now. <laughs>
6: okay, so, uh, <laughs> good.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, I, I think that's been been probably goes back to the days at Williams, where you know I think uh, it was very much uh, described as as having design team gangs, and if you, if you weren't in one gang, you were you were hated by all the other gangs. So,
1: I, hate, I I call that healthy inner uh, competition uh, inside yeah. the company.
0: It can be healthy. It can, it can be destructive as well, well if it goes too far. Well,
1: yeah, I, I think it drove the teams to to try to outdo the others, which some yes. say killed pinball. But it's also uh, uh, it's great result- for us as <laughs> players. Yes, it, it, well, it resulted in a lot of uh, innovation, innovative features that otherwise we might never have seen.
0: Mm. So. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that. Um, that's, yeah, that is well, a, it's an interesting point, though. But yeah. you're, you're right. I think, I think a lot of people did uh, did assume that uh, there was a, that rivalry between them. And uh, well, it's great if, that, if that's not the case. So um, let's move on to uh, any other news. And now uh, we mentioned that uh, we weren't at Pinball Expo. No. Uh, but despite that fact, it still seemed to take place. Um, um, and and MGC is also taking place, as we say, uh, this coming weekend, and we won't be there either. If you're wondering why, we were supposed to uh, be there
1: and and do our quiz. And we sorry, were supposed we're, to be at
0: MGC. Yeah. We were meant to be at Expo, covering all that as well. Um, but th- 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 sorry the to disappoint you, but
1: it was it, uh, we were b- bound to be in Europe by the uh, authority of a certain Joe Biden. Have you heard of him? <laughs>
0: Uh, name's familiar, but I can't. I can't place it. But anyway, the, the, the point is, we're not allowed. We're not allowed to fly um, to the United States until the eighth of November, um, unless it was for uh, urgent business. And um, well, it's hard, hard, hard to swing that one for, uh, for us. So um, the it's point is, we, the, um, we we couldn't be there. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, Stefan Riedler, the uh, yes uh, Austrian uh, importer. Or for for yeah. many companies, Aaron spinball ma- managed to uh, to fly to the US, and he was at Expo. Um, so uh, uh, I applaud him for doing that. I hope he had a great time. Uh, it was one of the very few Europe, if not the only European, I suppose.
0: Um, I think there was somebody from Spain also went over there, but I don't know exactly who that was. But um, yeah, you're right; there was, uh, it was certainly uh, devoid of, of most European visitors this year, and uh, neither neither of us nor uh, a good friend, flan- good friend, Gary Flower, were able to uh, to head over there. Which uh, I mean, for him, it must be particularly galling because he'd been to every bimball Expo up until this point. Yeah, well, and, and was this was the thirty seventh. Right. Um, I did have
1: a uh, uh, funny moment in the chat uh, at one of the days of Pimble Expo um, on 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 the Twitch channel, uh, mm-hmm. where Gary in the UK has a username yes. uh, popped up, and I I responded, "Is that you, Gary?" And indeed, it was Gary.
0: Yes, I actually oh. I was actually watching that that um, that chat at the time as you were posting it. <clears throat> cause I'd already spoken to Gary and he said, Oh, well, my, my username on the, on the, uh, the chat is Gary in the UK. I said, Oh, right. Okay. And I told him what, what mine mine was, uh, uh, pinball news, I think. And, uh, so then, had yeah, to see him posting and then you asking if it was him it was, was quite funny. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we, we we couldn't go to that. We can't go to the Midwest Gaming Classic, which is this weekend, as we say. Um, maybe Toy Story or whatever the uh, next JJP game is will be announced there. We'll, uh, if it is, we'll uh, be reporting on it, obviously, yeah. at that point. Um, now, as I said, um, can't fly to America until the 8th of November, um, but I'm heading off that way on the 10th of November.
1: Well, yeah, but sure, rub it in.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't, couldn't go to Expo and I couldn't go to MDC um, and it wouldn't be the same without uh, all of us going there. Um, so um, I'm going to the Houston Arcade Expo.
6: Okay, which IAPA is, uh, as
0: well? Then hopping over to IAPA for uh, a quick flying visit in into there for one day only. And then heading up to Pentastic, New England, um, where Gabe and uh, and Dave Marston there have uh, invited me up there to to do a seminar. And uh, I think I'm I think I'm interviewing Jack Jack Guaneri, you know Jersey Jack. Remember well, him? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think I'm doing a, uh-huh. a fireside chat. I, I think I you. have a
1: question for Jack.
0: Okay, I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll, I'll I, tell you later. <laughs> I bet you have, yes. <laughs> okay, but well, that, that—that's uh, my itinerary. So it should be reporting from from three three shows I've never been to before. So that should be nice. And uh, but before that, I actually went to one uh, trade show, um, not exactly IAP size, but uh, a little one in uh, in London, the yeah, Autumn Call uh,
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. And how was that?
0: Uh, pretty boring I have to admit it's, it's a pretty small event there's not a, not a huge demand for new equipment in uh, in autumn you know c- going into winter when uh, a lot of, sort of seasonal locations are, are closed for the winter but right. uh, there, were, there were three pinball machines there which was nice uh, including uh, including the first uh, appearance in the UK of Godzilla so I got ah. to get to play that quite a bit and well th- three games and it was only a pro, but um, I thought it was really nice. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it flowed very well, and uh, it was the rules seemed to be reasonably understandable as well, which was which was nice. It took a bit of a uh, bit of coaching. Uh, I, I met Gary there, Gary Flower, and um, he he played it a couple of times before, so I was able to give me a few hints. And um, yeah, played that. And next to it was uh, oh, it was an Avengers, I think. Uh, there was also Led Zeppelin there uh which was a um what was it it was a premium i think uh, i think it was a premium and but it unfortunately it was on a on somebody else's stand that was demonstrating um contactless or no cashless payments so a bit like um pay range and uh but it's, it's one that's designed by the industry for the uk and uh, so it was really just there to show how you can use your phone to put a credit on a pinball machine, and it wasn't okay. actually playable, which was a shame. But there you go. Um, so, fun little show. Obviously, a report on pinball news, but uh, the uh, first time going to that one as well. So, it's nice to see how that compares to the the big show that we will we we'll all be going to. Uh, you hopefully yes, B and uh, and Gary uh, in uh, in January at uh, uh, at the yeah. Excel Centre in London. If you yeah, get this the uh,
1: COVID beast.
0: Yes. Yeah. Quite uh, assuming no more lockdowns come, come along. But yeah. uh, anyway, that, those are my plans, anyway, for uh, for the next, uh, well, this month, actually. Now, now we're in October. Oh, we're in November, rather. And uh, yeah. so, so you'll oh, be well, hearing you. all about it in, in the next yeah. podcast.
1: Oh. Right. Okay. So, uh, well, the next podcast will be called Martin's Travels. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll be coughing and spluttering Probably come back with some kind of uh, illness Hopefully not, uh, not Hopefully not the big one Right, okay So,
1: um, uh, But we're not done yet No uh, As we mentioned at the beginning of our uh, um, uh, Of this pin cast, um We did an interview with um, uh, Ron and Jay um, Jay from Scorbit Thank you for that um and uh, I think it's very interesting. Um, it's a bit lengthy, but it was interesting enough that I didn't want to take anything out. So you get the full unedited, uncensored version of yeah uh, of the well basically the entire thing,
0: including um, a, ge- a special guest appearance by my dog as well. Oh, was it your dog? Yes, <laughs> that was my dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, sorry.
1: so so Martin's dog is making a guest appearance. It's quite unusual. Usually we have Gary popping up uh, doing guest appearances, but not this case. Uh, sorry. Um but I suggest that we uh, uh well, before we uh start that interview, let's say goodbye now and then do the interview with Corbett. and uh, and and we'll hope we hope that we, you will tune in next month for uh, the highlights of November
0: in yes. the industry. Indeed, we hope you've enjoyed this this wrap of uh, what happened in October, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next month for the, uh, the November pincast. And uh, as I say, we'll we'll uh, we'll leave you in the capable hands of uh, our our interview with uh, Ron and Jay from Scorbitt, who will tell you all about the system and how it works with the various uh, manufacturers and what you can do with it and where they're, where they're going with it. So it's quite, quite an expansive interview. Okay. Thank you and bye. Bye. We are now joined by uh, Ron Richards and Jay Adelson, who are uh, two of the three founders of the Scorebit platform. And they're here to tell us... Basically, how the system works and what they've been doing with it, the new features they're adding, and where they're going to be taking it in the future. So, uh, welcome, guys.
2: Welcome. Good. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Big fans. Thank <laughs>
0: you. Thanks. Uh, well, I suppose we had to start with uh, for those of people who, who
1: are have been living under Scorbit. a rock
0: for years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. tell um, just a little bit. You no, know, and just a brief summary of, of what SCORBIT is uh, and what does it add. To a game for someone who uh, owns their own machine and have been you know, enjoying it up until now, but um, think maybe they can they could add something to it. And uh, well, what would Scorbit do for that?
2: Well, I, I got to say, it's funny to hear you say like, for, you know, for those who've been living under a rock for years, because I, I mean, while that's really flattering, I feel like we have a ton of work to get the word out about Scorbitt to all everyone who plays pinball. So uh, we appreciate the opportunity, um, but uh, but yeah, at its at its heart, Scorbitt is basically uh, it, it's it's. Some, we sum it up as connected pinball, and what that basically means is is that uh, we've built a device called the Scorbitron that allows you to connect your pinball machine to the internet. If it is not a uh, modern machine like from Jersey Jack or Stern, now Stern, who en- enabled Wi-Fi, um, but you could take a pinball machine from the 80s, a solid-state pinball machine, and put our device in it and be able to connect it to the internet and have the scores load automatically up to the Scorbit platform. And then use the Scorbit app to keep track of your scores, challenge your friends to beat your score. Uh, we just recently rolled out uh, a new achievements platform so you can, uh, we can create new ways for you to interact with pinball. Sure. Um and all in all, it's just a way to make pinball more fun and, and connect all of us more together than just you know all being at the same arcade or at the same, you know, show like Pinball Expo or or a tournament. You know, you guys in in Europe, we could connect via Scorebit we could challenge each other and try to beat each other's scores and things like that. Okay. Um and it's all what's also great is that it's the Scorebit mobile app. Um, is for use on any pinball machine. It doesn't require our hardware. So if you want you know, uh, a way to keep track of your high scores, connect with friends, see what scores your friends are getting, things like that, um, Scorbit is a great way to connect players together. Uh, Jay, did I miss anything there? Okay.
3: No, I think, I think you got it. I mean, you know, we, we sort of see, the reason we call it a platform is because you know, when you connect machines, whether they're old or, or you know, you know, uh, brand new, to the internet, and then you also have this app, there's a whole variety of applications that you can do with that with that relationship. You know, the, the mm. one that, that I think comes immediately to mind is of course all of the, the social elements. But we have this other set of products called um, Scorbit Vision, which is just visualizations of this data in different ways, you know, things for streamers or for you know a big game room or over a bar. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, and we have this API, which is basically, it's it's a programming interface that allows anyone to create these applications on our platform. And so, you know, we, we see a day where there's where there's lots of third-party um, uh, and really interesting ideas that come up that we at Scorebit may never have thought of.
0: Right, I see. So yeah. I mean, b- b- before we go any further with that, I mean, what, what are your backgrounds as far as um, technology goes, and also as far as pinball or arcade um, history goes? Uh, were you were you into all this before it started and you were desperately looking for a way to achieve what you've what you've done?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the work stuff and the fun stuff. So, uh, J- Jay, you've got a much better resume than I. So, why don't you go?
3: That's not true, but I <laughs> you know. I'm I'm a, a, a sort of a addicted entrepreneur. You know, I've started a you know fifteen or sixteen startups in my career, and and you know I started as uh, as um, I founded a company called Equinix, which is the largest data center company in the world. Um, yeah. I started uh, and I ran companies like Revision Three, which was the first internet television network, which I did with Ron, which is how I met Ron, which is fantastic. Um, I also you know, I spent a great deal of time on consumer stuff with Dig, which is D I G G, which was a social news website where I was mm-hmm. where I was CEO for I don't know how long, uh, half a decade, six years. Um, and I've done a bunch of internet infrastructure companies. You know, if you've ever heard of uh, New Relic, they bought um, their infrastructure product is is a company that I started and years ago. And anyway. Um, But more importantly than all of that is that I'm a child of the '80s, and you know I grew up with arcades. Yeah, of course. I'd say there were two the two nerdiest possible things that uh, I added to that was I was a telecommunications nerd as a kid, and I'm sure that I'm sure that everybody out there. Who has ever you know who grew up at the same age as me knows knows the type I was always online from age probably eight until you know today and so for me you know connected platforms and all of my stuff you know it's a, it's a similar it's a similar thread and and i think ron you you had, a, you had a very similar <laughs> – Yeah,
2: very very similar. Back. In fact, actually, the first time Jay and I ever met, I was wearing a, um, a T-shirt with a RF converter uh, uh, design <laughs> screen print on it, uh, like the thing that I used to connect my television to my TV. Oh, right? yes. Mm-hmm. And so and so Jay instantly was like, "Man, we're gonna be friends." And so like that was a kind of <laughs> a good moment. But um, but yeah, no, similar similar to Jay, I went I went to school for te- television film, um, and have always you know have, have been on, in front of a computer. I think my dad put me in front of an Apple II Plus when I was like five. Um, so I've you know I've, I've always been in front of a computer. Was online as soon as I could. I think the first time I got online was like 1994 uh, when everything had a gray background. Um. <laughs> And you know, thought thought I wanted to be a filmmaker and make TV because I love that ad aspect of enter- entertainment. But then, as the '90s went along, I saw there was a lot of money over there at the internet, and that was stuff that I could do pretty easily. So, um, so I, I, I pursued a career in the internet and and kind of you know fell into doing a lot of um, you know kind of marketing stuff and business development stuff, but also mainly content and community building. Um, I actually in my in my spare time started a website all about comic books called iFanboy Fanboy, um, and that led to a podcast which is now the we launched that podcast in 2005 and it's the number one all-time podcast about comic books according to Apple which is a which is a great honor to have wow. Um, and yeah, and then from that, I was able to leverage, you know, the stuff I did digitally with uh, my interest in comics and pop culture. And I worked at Image Comics, and and worked for a couple other places and fun stuff like that. Um, I was living in San Francisco for ten years, and Jay was also in the Bay Area, and our our third co founder Brian O'Neill was in the Bay Area, and we all worked together at Revision Three and Dig and things like that. And I have across the street from my apartment was a bar with a medieval madness and. <laughs> Me and Brian were just – were hanging out one night and just and got, got drunk and played that pinball machine all night. And it was like the first time that I figured out like, oh, wow, if you hit that thing, this thing happens – and, oh wait a minute. This is how you get multiball. Like it was like it was like a, an amazing night where it, like it all kind of like I knew what pinball was, but I didn't get the rules. I didn't get the, the 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 complexity of it until that night when Brian and I were trying to hack and actually Brian's wife was there, Allison. We were trying to hack it. Basically, we were trying to figure out how to get the best score. And uh-huh. from that moment, we were just hooked and we just started going from bar to bar in San Francisco to to play pinball, not knowing that the Bay Area had such a great legacy of pinball, great history going back to the 90s, right? Um, and we, you know, I, I remember I just searching online, I discovered that there was a pinball league forming. Um, and so Brian Allison and myself all joined and we were, we were amongst the founding members of the San Francisco pinball department, which is a, you know, a huge league in San Francisco that's still going. That's awesome. Mm, yeah. Um, and Andre Mazenkoff was in the league yeah. and and uh some uh, other great players and Neil Schatz I guess would have been there as well yeah yeah no no this is after Neil Schatz oh geez I wish I could have played with Neil Neil Schatz this is like this is like 2015 or so maybe oh right okay at that time you would see the NES initials and it was like (laughs) oh Neil Schatz has been here right like it was yeah it was uh he, he became more of a legend at that point but um uh, but yeah, but, and that's how I learned, that's how we learned to play pinball, learned all the game rules and things like that. Started going to show, first we started going to California extreme, um, and then, and then ultimately in disc and then went to Pinberg and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, um, and just loved what we were doing. And that kind of ties into the foundation of Scorebit because it was actually, um, at uh, we were playing a Free Gold Watch in San Francisco where the San Francisco Pinball League would play, and I was playing with one of my friends, and he was playing uh, Stern Trek. And he, had a re- he kicked my ass. He had a really great game, and he got all excited and was like, wow, I think that's my highest score ever. And he took out his phone and opened up a text file, and I looked over <laughs> his shoulder, and he had a list of game names and a score next to them. And he scrolled down until he found Stern Trek and then deleted his score and typed in his new score and then put his phone back in his pocket and went to play the next game. And I just went, oh, god damn it. That's a good idea, right? (laughs) So at that point, um, we basically – I tend to have – and Jay, I think you suffer from this too – have a a tendency to turn our hobbies and interests into work. Um, And so at that point, I was really – really excited about the idea of making an app to keep track of your scores. And at that time, I don't think Pindigo was out yet. Um, and you know, at that time, it seemed like it was a real no-brainer. Just make an app that would keep track of your scores. And it was actually at California Extreme when I was telling Jay the idea. Jay said, yeah, that's cool, but what if we put a device in the machine that made it that you didn't have to type the score in at all? And from there we we're off to the races. That was that and then Scorbit was born and and then it became how many years, Jay? Like five years of hardware development and trying to figure exactly. out how, how, how to do that?
3: I mean, honestly, that was that was right around twenty fifteen. So it's been it's been close to seven years since we started that idea. Which is yeah. which which is really kind of crazy when you think about it. I don't think anybody in their right mind would have created Scorbit. We're obviously well that's what
2: that's what a little alcohol helps, um uh Well, it was funny because because I remember being at pinball league and talking to uh, one of our friends, this guy Darren Ensley, who's who's big in the pinball in the Bay Area pinball area. And I was like, Yeah, no, there's got to be a way to either you know we're talking about how to do it. And he's like, Well, sure, you could, yeah, you could do that if you can figure it out. But why would you? And like it, it kind of got dismissed as kind of like a hobbyist, you know, kind of hackery kind of thing. But you know, Jet. I I
3: like problems like that. I was, yeah. I mean, but. But what? But what? Ron is, you know, he he articulates way better than me. Is is just that these things kind of take over. You you don't you don't point like to a point on a timeline and say, you know, eureka moment. It's like suddenly you don't remember it not having been an obsession.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I can certainly uh, empathise with that. Um, so- So you've got this idea, the grand idea, going to get the scores out of machines. Now, I'm sure anybody who looked at that says, how on earth are you going to do that? Because there are so many different machines out there. There They all present scores in different ways. They all have different board sets and operating systems. There's no commonality amongst them, not even amongst manufacturers. They change their systems over time as well. So yeah. it's a big technical challenge as to how you actually are going to do this. Now, when I first saw it, I thought, "Oh, I see what you're doing. You're sniffing the the video, and then you're doing sort of optical character recognition on it, and trying to work out where the scores are and where the player number is and the ball number and all that kind of stuff." But that itself, you know, just saying it like that makes it sound easy, but it's mm-hmm. not, of course. It's a, it's a big, it's a very complex problem. I mean, where do you start when when you when you decide what you want to do? how what's your starting point
2: well I, I say you're right it's a huge it's it, it's a huge complex po- problem the number of machines manufacturers make it complex and also like that is a way to do it but that's not the only way and that's not the on- and that's not the only way we do it across all the like we basically part of it was looking at each machine and figuring out what's the best way to make this happen and so you know like it, it's it's breaking down the problem and seeing what is what gives us the most flexibility in terms of Accessing that the scores, score data, and integrating it, but then also something to consider, at least with the hardware, is how do you do that in an affordable device that can be sold at a price that people can afford? <laughs>
3: right, that's right. Yeah. Right.
2: yeah and, so, and-
1: so if, if if you don't mind me asking a, a, a technical question. Um, so you have this uh, Scorbitron device, which you, uh, uh, which the owner of a machine puts in his, in the game, and uh, there are, uh, I assume, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there must be uh, uh, different ways to connect the game, uh, your game, to the Scorbitron or do you have different uh, Scorbitron boards for each type of different machine, or sure. brand,
3: or uh, uh, you know, yep. it's it's you know so. So you're 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 asking the right question. Um, we we actually are able. So so I have to take one step back because understand that in order for any of this to work, you have to find the commonalities. Starting with the cloud service, the actual infrastructure, and in the internet part. Let's assume for the moment that that's the same and has the same capabilities, no matter what the source of data is. Right. Right. So once you have that, and by the way, that is not trivial. In some ways, that's harder than the the hardware. Um, Then what you have to do is you have to find the commonalities between all machines. And those commonalities tend to be things like the display, like you mentioned, or uh, a CPU, like the 6809 Motorola CPU. And... And you define a specification and you figure out how you're going to get that data off the machine. And then we build the Scorbitron itself, which can take inputs from all of these different types. So the Scorbitron has four uh, ports on it. And you can plug into those ports different kinds of probes or serial connections. You know, the most common, you know, you know classic example is we have a small piece of electronics called a DMD probe that's designed to work on any DMD and then that connects with a cable to the Scorbitron. but in the case of a you know a stern spike 2 for example you would use a, a a USB serial cable or in the case of a you know a bally or a stern you know MPU 100 200 or you know, um, thirty-five board from the late seventies, early eighties. We have another probe called the solid state one probe that actually sits on the display bus. And the magic here is it all gets converted ultimately to the same kind of we call them frames, but but basically it all gets converted to one common type of data, and then the Scorbitron interprets that data and then sends it to to our cloud service. So it's, it's a there are a lot of parts. And then of course, if you install on in a pinball machine from, you know, 1995, or if you install on in a pinball machine from 1977, we had to accommodate all these different power situations. So we also developed small um, pieces of electronics that are designed to take the power somewhere, you know, the correct place uh, and feed it into the scorbitron so we can turn it all on right and that's i mean that's so that's a serious so so when a customer or a user wants to get one of these things they just tell us what pinball machine it is you know if it's medieval madness we know it's a wpc it's going to need this type of power adapter it's going to need this type of data cable it's going to need a dmd probe and of course the scorbitron now um if you've got a Jersey Jack game or a game that has an, a direct API connection, you actually need nothing other than Wi Fi connectivity.
2: And, and, a, and a, an account on Scorebit to log into.
3: Right. Right.
2: Yep. Okay. So, um,
1: this might be a little bit off-topic, but then again, not. Um, you mentioned uh, 1977, which uh, actually was, like, around the uh, 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 the time when electromechanical machines were uh, abandoned and solid-state machines took over. I assume Scorbit doesn't work on electromechanical games?
3: It, it, it technically... Well, as as Ron said, you can post any score you want, you know, using the app manually... Right. But we do not have an electromechanical interface. And it's, it's actually kind of funny because at every expo <laughs> and, every, and every user group, we have someone who's come up to us and said, I have a way to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And so
2: do we. <laughs> yeah,
3: like, like, we know how to do it. Um, I, I could
2: think. I could think of. I mean, we there's actually several ways to do it. It's just whether or not for us, because we're building a business here, whether or not the 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 research and development into building the hardware to do it is justified by the number of people who would buy it. someday. I would like us to do it just purely to be the one to so say that we can work on every pinball machine. Uh, but right now, while you know, while we all love our EMS. The the market is much bigger for moderns and and DMD machines and things like that. So,
1: <laughs> well, you got a point there. You have you got to run a sustainable business first, I suppose. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so. but no, but we we've we've had uh, again over drinks uh, several conversations about oh well you can put a camera in the back box or you can install a counter like there's a bunch of different ways to do it um, and someday we'll get there I hope so Jay at least
3: and, <laughs> yeah and, and I may or may not be secretly working on that in my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he loves to solve problems
3: I'm telling you <laughs> sure. sounds okay. fascinating um,
0: now. Um, we talk about the Scorpion board, okay? So, the, um, and as you said, you tell you we tell you which game we're going to fit it into, and you you supply the appropriate probes to go with that and power supply hookups. Now, um, that is a, a fixed price for well, it's a fixed price for the board, but there's also an ongoing subscription for that. That's right. Now, something something which um, which seems strange to me is if I. If I'm running the Scorbitron system on a Jersey Jack pinball machine, for instance, I get all the same functionality, but there's no subscription for that. That's so, right. um, why is there a charge for one and not for the other when you're getting when you're, you're utilizing the same service?
3: No, it's it's an excellent question, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, uh, what you know this this concept of platform as a service, right? And and when, you, when you're building a business like this and you look at the relative costs of maintaining a user, you know, sort of the blended, mm. the blended cost of that, and you are maintaining a device, even though the, the customer owns the device, right? The firmware, yeah. the monitoring, the management of that device, you have to kind of blend into that whole world at that cost and the, the beauty of, of what Jersey Jack did and what you'll see from some other manufacturers soon is that uh, you know they're really taking on a lot of that effort for us because they are in fact building the network stack on top of that on top of that platform um, and that is a really <laughs> it makes our life a lot easier I mean I think that's one piece and I think I think the other piece is, that, you know, we, we look at it as a license. And we have these two license types, you know, a standard license type and a pro license type. Mm. If we could give it away, if we could give it a, the standard away to everybody, if the cost of those maintaining those scorbitrons was zero, then we would happily, you know, be one of those freemium style services. But we think that, you know, the three, four dollars a month or the you know forty dollars a year um, standard pricing you know so far you know our, our users have been more than happy to 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 help us with that and that may change in the future um, and then you have this other whole you know really it 's an entirely different business model uh, around the pro yeah uh, the pro services
0: yeah we'll come to that in, in a minute but i 'm just speaking from personal personal opinion and being a You know, somebody who's very tight with 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 the money I spend on my games, I, I don't mind spending 300 bucks on a on a board to go in the back. But if it's sitting there, if it's winter and the games are in in the garage and the games are not getting played, I don't want to be paying money every month for a service I'm not using. So, which is
2: which is fair, and something that we've heard from other users. I mean, it could say you know it, it could maybe get you motivate you to go play your game some more. But
3: um, oh, absolutely. yeah,
0: it's good to. But uh, I'd rather pay an extra hundred bucks up front and not have to pay a subscription. You know? We've <laughs> it, heard it, that
3: a you know, we've heard that a lot, and and I and you know weighing it out, um, you know the concept of the lifetime subscription. You know, and we and we looked at other companies that have tried that in the past, like. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with TiVo and, mm-hmm. and these other companies that did, like, lifetime subscriptions. And, and the, the math on that really depends on how um, low you can get the hardware, believe it or not. So, so I think that if we can get to the point where um, the hardware is, is relatively trivial and inexpensive, which, by the way, we think we can, um, we would rather flip it around the other way. Yeah, okay. And say, you know, buy a lifetime subscription, right? It's yeah. and and get the hardware for free. Um, you know the the, uh, the it, it is not. It, we're a small enough business that you know we don't, and we're not venture backed. We don't have you know some you know billionaire uh, financier to let us go for a decade. But once we get our costs to deliver the service down enough. I think that we can start to, to you know, experiment with some of these different models like like a lifetime subscription and free hardware. Free hardware is my dream. That's what I want to get to because cool. I hate okay. hardware. It's not my favorite yeah. thing. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. you're not hardware guys. You're not, you're not a manufacturing facility. But uh, I'm, I'm bearing in mind all the time that you are running a business here and, you, you know, and, and there needs to be a revenue stream from somewhere and um, you have ongoing charges in order to maintain and develop the platform. So I exactly. I mean, it's well. it's
2: it's it's a keeping the lights on kind of thing, you know. Like you know, because as great as uh, you know, as great as it is. You know, we're we've built a cloud-based platform that requires maintenance and has charges, and you know, ho- you know, and all that sort of stuff. And so, but again, like we said, this isn't our approach. hasn't been a hobbyist kind of thing where we made this thing kind of like no, we really want to we want to be a a sustainable business in pitball because we love it and we think that we have a lot to add to it. Um, and and ultimately, our main like mission, our main goal. Is to make pinball more fun, promote pinball playing amongst communities, and just you know have everyone be connected through this game that we've all collectively been connected by ourselves and share that love. So, um, but it is a business, and so that, that sure. there are realities that come with that. So.
0: Okay, well, you're not you're not homebrew guys, but um, I mean Jay will have seen this particularly uh, when he's just been to Pinball Expo. But there is a big homebrew community out there building sure. their own games. Now, how easy would it, or is it even possible, for these guys? To hook their games into the Scorebit API,
3: it, it's actually not okay. Well, let me let me be careful how I how I put this. <laughs> uh, you know, for a developer who is used to working with APIs and and you know um, you know is building something like a home pin, most of those guys who have done that I would put into this category uh, would find our API relatively easy to use, and we have a number of, of, of home pin uh, users who are in fact developing right now against our API. And we welcome anyone who wants to come and develop against that API to feel free. And our commitment there is if, you know, we're not in the relative um, scope of our, of our users, it's a small enough group uh, that we are willing to allow anybody who connects that way to have an API connection and not have to pay for that standard license. Right. In the future, you know, what I what I would like to do is I want to make that even easier. I want to get to a point where we have a piece of hardware that is so inexpensive that a home pin user would say, "Well, a network stack Scorbit will take care of that for this, you know, inexpensive mm-hmm. piece of hardware." But but it really just depends. What what's wonderful about the direct API integration is it really gives you a lot of control over you know applying your creativity to to that cloud experience. And so so yeah, it is. is we do have an open platform. It is it is uh, our API is there for people to use. We have a a Slack channel and a Discord channel where a lot of these people come to meet with us and ask questions and. Um, and we will be releasing a developer portal that makes a lot of this easier. Without having to ask us questions, you know, directly, you'll be able to just go on and get your token and and right. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And is is that API a, a two way uh, API? In that, if I decide I want to want to write a bit of code to pull down the scores for Medieval Madness and see who's got the top no hundred yeah. scores in the world, I can I can do that, can I?
3: Yes, um, you can. And and, and the uh, so the Scorbit Vision platform, this, this I mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. which gives you the visualizations, that was written to be a reference example I see. of of using that data. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Ron and I talk about it all the time. We have seen some incredible stuff done by users over the yep. years. Frankly, better than we could do. And <laughs> <laughs> you know and you know during the dig days, we were one of the first open apis, and the stuff that people created you know animated, beautiful visualizations trends um, fantastic stuff that we could not have dreamed of and I just know that that's in the future, uh, particularly those twitch streamers those guys come up with some so cool.
2: So creative and so like they're making awesome stuff and ways to use the data and ways to like, you know, when when stuff happens in the game, things happen to the to the environment. Like th- so like that, that's the kind of stuff that and and Brian or one of our co-founders, he, him and his wife stream from their house. And he's pushing us a lot to, you know, to create this sort of stuff because he wants to use it like so much of what we do at Scorebit is motivated by a personal, like, I want to do this. Let's go build it, you know, and, and mo- more often than not, it comes from talking to other pinball players or pinball streamers or other developers. Another great example to the idea of this open platform is um, we're working very closely with Andreas from match play. Um, and he's, he's actually currently working on the, the match play tournament software uh, next version of it. And he's integrating Scorebit all throughout it to make scorekeeping easier you know yeah. like how many how many times have we been in a tournament where you know it's noisy and you and the, the the person the scorekeeper writes the wrong score and it takes hours to get it fixed and things like that you know if you have you know scorebit enabled machines that can push the score directly to the the tournament software you have less you know chance of human error um yeah you know, we'll probably need to come up with other ways for people to earn uh, 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 free free tickets into the tournament, you know, because I know I've done that. I, I, I've score kept at games in order so I can get, you know, that extra hour for scorekeepers and that sort of thing. But ultimately, you know, having the, the scores be as accurate as possible is the goal for a tournament. Um, and what's great is that Andreas is totally on the same page with us about the importance of an open platform, of open systems where, you know, data can pass, you know, whether it's from the open pinball database into scorebit to pinball map to match play to all this sort of stuff and like really what we're hoping to build is just you know what we're hoping to, to work with everyone in the pinball industry is to build a open platform that works for all manufacturers all machines all players so that everyone benefits because closed systems don't benefit anybody but the people who have closed the system so um mm. yeah right um now stern recently
1: introduced their uh, insider Connected which is um, uh, a, uh, a system to to log scores if you have an account yeah. and so on. Um, uh, so I, I definitely see uh, similarities. Is there any chance of a collaboration between uh, Stern and Scorbit? Well, We'd love
3: that. Yeah, there certainly is a chance. You know, I... Um, you know, the you know, we we've approached Stern a, a number of times over the years. We love what they're doing. And by the way, I got a chance to use Insider Connected both at California Extreme and at Expo. And I really I really love what they're doing. Um, you know, George and, and Tanya and all those guys over there have really they really crushed it. And and you know, it is as as you point out, I mean it's serving a lot of the the you know from a score perspective and achievements they've they've definitely created the content and the mechanism um, to to interconnect that with with scorebit is you know an afternoon of work and yeah. it's a choice it's a choice that they that they really have to make internally if they think it's it makes sense for them um, they know that we're open to it and and would love to do that. I personally think that we could coexist extremely complementary you know in a in a complementary way I mean Ron maybe do you do you agree
2: with that? Oh, 100%, 100%. I mean, there's there's definitely, you know, and like what's funny is that like I'm so glad that they rolled out that system if anything for our friends who are operators to get over the air updates to their machines, right? <laughs> <laughs> because um, you know, like that that is just such a key thing to operators, so I'm glad that they they are making this change and like Jay said the 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 system is awesome. It looks like it really great. It's a good solution for them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all they, you know, there's no nothing holding them back from connecting to our API and and coexisting in the way that, that Jay said um, you know we actually you know when we started scorbit you know we reached out to a lot of the manu- to all the manufacturers to be like hey we exist we want to work together um, you know and we, we extended that offer to stern I, I mean I, I'm pretty sure Jay before they started working on what they worked on I mean it was years ago at this point uh, yeah. And yeah. where we where we left off was like great doors 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 always open so um, they know where to find us we you know like I'm you know friends with Zach Sharp and we you know we ch- we chat and work in, on on other stuff on the side uh, together and so like we we would we would welcome it so
0: but but their, their uh, creation of the insider connected system doesn't preclude the use of Scorbit on no. or a Scorbitron on a stern or on a modern stern machine that's right kind well, of sits on top of of their system.
3: Yep. Yeah, we've we've used it with all games, all the way up to Godzilla, and and let me be honest, you know, um, you know, an operator does have to buy a Scorbitron, right, to do that, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of a bummer because if you're if you bought Stern Insider connected and you know the machine is already connected to the internet, I mean, it should be like what Jersey Jack does, right? It should just be able to connect without having to, to do anything, or an API-to-API API relationship, where there's no machine-to-score-bit relationship, but just their cloud service and our cloud service can talk with each other. Yeah. All of these are options. I just want to make it as easy for the operator as possible. Um, and so, yes, you, you can use our product in their product. Um, and, you know, I think that, that, you know, I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds of, of Stern Spike 2 customers out there who are already connected to Scorbit and heavily using the product to, you know, I think also want to use Insider Connected at the same time.
2: Yeah. Because also, because the the, Scorbit, the Scorbitron gives them more tools for, you know, for uh, uh, live streams, for like we mentioned Twitch streamers and things like that, um, you know, and, and that Stern has been pretty clear and that's an area they don't want to get involved in. And so, you know... Yeah, it, it, there's definitely a world where we all can work together. So uh, hopefully, hopefully they, hopefully they are interested in, in embracing an open platform and letting everyone be connected. Okay, so
0: I mean, one of the things you mentioned about what Stern have done and, and about what you have done as well is the achievement system. Yep. Now that that was something which, um, to me, sort of leapt up and said, "Oh, this is a this is a sea change in, in what what Scorbitt means to me as a as a game owner." Who, who I've had my machines for a while, I know them well um, I'm very happy with them, but this seems to add a another level on top of the existing game you know it, it's adding features to a game which uh, which I didn't think was ever going to get any more features <laughs> so uh, yep. so that that was that to me suddenly became a very in, uh, interesting idea and could, could sell scorebit to me now, can you explain how these achievements work uh, which games? Have them or are going to have them, um, and how they integrate with the game itself. You no, know, the game. If you know a game already, what what differences are you going to see?
3: Ron, you want me to take this one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you've been so close to this stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a, a few years ago when we came up with the, you know, the the you know, we flowcharted out, you know, how achievements would would function in the system, and started talking to manufacturers. and and game designers, there was one unifying principle about achievements, which was that they needed to be flexible to exist beyond just the single game. So we all have achievements that we achieve while we're playing, but the achievement itself and all of the logic behind it would need to have sort of greater superpowers around you know, other variables. So if you list them all out, I mean, we know the ones that we're familiar with, game modes and scores. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are there are other things related to time and duration, you know, the place you play, the specific machine you play, maybe the users you're playing against.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, there are so many different, or in the case of Pinball Expo, we had a, a an event-based achievement where yeah. if you... Or if you played a game and hit a certain score at Expo, it knew you were at Expo. So we created all that logic in the cloud. We created a user interface that a game designer, um, someone like Eric Mounier or 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 you know anyone could go on there and and basically create whatever they dream up. And and once that logic exists, then it's a question of. Um, there's sort of a a spectrum of how integrated you want to be with it. So in the case of Jersey Jack, they chose a full integration, which meant that as achievements happen, they appear on the screen and, you know, at at the beginning of a game, when you claim a player slot, and I, I should point out that like, this is a really important aspect of why you need this app in the first place is because you're attaching identity to a game.
0: Right from the start.
3: Right from the start. And and Mm -hmm. that's a very important thing because if you don't attach your identity at the beginning, then the system really doesn't have any way of knowing what you previously achieved. And so the game downloads what you've done already when you start and may or may not react to that information during the game. And then Scorebit takes care of the rest because then what we're doing is we're sending you a push notification or or adding the achievement to the profile. Mm. Now you asked about like what games have it, you know, um, all of the Jersey Jack games. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one with a dog, by the way. Um, (laughs) And uh, all the Jersey Jack games, but we also, you know, you know, our commitment to JJP and this relationship, we wanted them to roll out all their achievements first You know, which is almost there. We're just about finished with that, and then um, uh, we'll start rolling out DMD achievements next, and then we'll move to solid states. And the DMD achievements— one of the nice things about our hardware, and one of the reasons we designed it the way we did—is we can actually change what's on the DMD. Yeah. So we can do. That's
0: a key thing that.
3: Yeah. Yep. And we can actually show you the achievement as it's happening. Um, and we can certainly, uh, you know, add that identity to what you see on the DMD. You know, um, you know, welcome. Uh, your last score was 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 this score, um, and and our scorbitrons download all that information just like the Jersey Jack machine does, and then we'll process that data in real time. Okay, it's a lot. See. It was yeah, a,
2: it, it, I can see. And and, yeah. and just to add to it, because Jay quickly touched on it, but those like event those event or location based achievements, like when we sat down and set the achievement set, we're like, all right, you know, you get, you know, you can get an achievement when you, you know, when you hit the wizard mode, or when you, you know, hit the wizard mode ten times, or when you get this kind of multi ball ten times, but the uh, the location achievements of what I like so like I often play at Jack Bar in Brooklyn and there's an you can have the achievement of having the highest score on the Guns and Roses at Jack Bar that only I can have that achievement and then there there creates competition amongst the other players to win that achievement back from me right so and and it gives the it, it gives the operators and venue owners tools to better promote and market their games and there's a reason to come to their place to play their game because their location has the only kind of, you can only get this achievement at that arcade or at that bar.
0: Right, and this is something which a, an operator can set up, can they? Correct. Or Okay, right, As part of the operator um, subscription.
2: Sure. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so an operator who's managing their machines on Scorebit, they can manage their, you know, the locations that their machines are at, their, the, you know, the, the, you know, all the information that that's in the Scorebit app, you know, the the price per game and and all that sort of stuff. And, but then also on, be able to set up their own achievements and work with the venue to be like, okay, if somebody you know if somebody gets the 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 Cactus Canyon King achievement uh, for this bar, then give them a free drink or you know have some sort of promotion tied to the achievement um you know opportunities are pretty limitless there so right so
1: does that also mean um obviously uh, uh players uh using this uh, scorebit app uh, does it mean that um let's say you have a high score at Jack bar um in Brooklyn and um uh, someone else comes along um puts down a, a better score, would you get a notification like, hey, your high score has been uh, uh, knocked off or something like that and uh, give you sort of an um, uh, incentive to go back and to try to better your score? Or Yes.
3: yes. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yep. In fact, n- notifications, it's, it's a, <laughs> I never knew just the levels of complexity and the different, you know, sort of sensitivities we needed to be very, very careful about with notifications. So, <laughs> so, yes, like right now, when you open up the Scorbit app, you'll see in the settings there's a bunch of notification controls because I follow a thousand people on, on Scorbit. So Scorbit app, the way it works is, you know, like, like things like Instagram and Twitter, you, you know, you go on and you follow the people you're interested in. And then uh, that is the context by which you would be notified. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, if you think of it, there's two different things. There's the machine that someone gets the, you know, the GC on or they beat your score on. You might want notifications for that if anyone does that. But you might also really only care if your circle of friends, if somebody beat your score or in your league, somebody beat your score. And this little nuance between sort of public and semi-public and private groups, we built the system to accommodate that. And so our first notifications uh, were were designed around the the high score, the top score. And we have this little button (laughs) that we have that we're waiting to push around when your friends beat your high score. And one of the reasons why we, why we didn't do that yet was partially the pandemic because, you know, venues were closed mm. and we wanted a focus to be on that camaraderie, you know, that competition between social groups. And then later, as people started going into public locations again, which is now starting again, uh, you know, really a- activate those other ones. And, and Achievements is another example in the achievement itself, in our definition of the achievement, the game designer gets to decide whether or not that achievement is worthy of a notification for all your followers or just yourself. You know? Right. And mm-hmm. and, the, and it's actually a control that the designer has or the creator of the achievement. So you might say, well, most achievements, since everybody gets like you know a certain percentage of them, Really, only matter to yourself, but if you get that crazy thing where you hit wizard mode, you know, seventeen times or completed what is it, Balinor? on a uh, on Lord um, of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. You know, th- at that point, I want the entire planet to know that I've achieved that, and so <laughs> anybody who, so anybody who follows me should should see that, right? And so it it's this new canvas on which to paint and when you know i was talking to folks like you know uh uh you know pat waller and you know and 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 folks that have been involved for a long time and the beauty of it is they were already thinking of these things for a long time they were thinking of them and they and it's sort of like the technology finally got to the point where they could express themselves this way it's really exciting stuff
1: Right. So, um Scorbit is uh, introduced currently uh, on uh, or uh, included in Jersey Jack Pinball Machines, does that mean that you have a um, uh, 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 a hotline, so to speak, with the design team uh, of a certain game to make sure that it's impl- implemented correctly? Or are they able to figure it out themselves and no need to to uh, assist them all the time
3: you know the, the we we basically gave them the specification i mean i mean obviously we're in regular communication with them but but we gave them the specification told them how it worked you know this is this is actually um, a year and a half ago yeah <laughs> right?
2: it's been it worse for a while yeah, <laughs> yeah. And,
3: and we gave them all the specifications said here's how it can go together you know in, in a document and and they went off and started working on it. And, and the uh, the joy <laughs> that they had, you know, coming up with some of the I, I, I don't know if you've achieved any of these things yet on, on a JJP machine, but they're they're really funny and they're really they're really they're really interesting. And and uh, it, it kind of works the way it works right now is that there are we call them achievement groups because often within a game Not always, but but sometimes there is this concept where you're counting something, like how many Wonka bars you have, or or maybe how many multi balls you've achieved in a single game or across Mm -hmm. multiple games. Whatever it is you're you're counting, and and if there are multiple achievements based on different numbers of things you've achieved, we call that a group, like levels, right? Like level one achievement, level two, and as soon as you achieve the first level, you actually are able to see what the other levels are and what you need to achieve them.
1: Oh, that's cool.
3: Yeah. Which is an incentive
1: to, to go for them as well, I suppose.
3: That's right. You know, you know, we do, we do have customers, users, players who say, um, I want the master list. They're the completionists, right? Mm -hmm. Who spent like two years on Skyrim finding every Easter egg. Mm -hmm. Um, those completionists, you know one of the things that they really want to do is, is open up the app and load up you know uh, Twilight Zone and then see all the achievements listed out for them to hit so they know they've achieved them. Uh, we'll get close to that. There, there are definitely some designers don't want them all revealed for various reasons because they want it to be kind of a fun surprise. But I think that one of the things we will be releasing, Probably in our next software update is the total number of achievements and how many you've done, because there are a lot of them. And yeah, and our- people
2: and people want to know. Like people want to chase them, which is great. Which is uh, which I think is is a nice aspect of it. People like kind of get the they get the uh, they get their teeth into it, and they want to be completionists. I mean, we're all, you know we all know how it is. We want to I want to try every mode. I want to do everything. I want to get every achievement. Um, and so we're working you know on how to expose that information. But what I'm even more excited about the collaboration with Jersey Jack is that like we were able to, you know, work with them to have them to include achievements in the code updates in the existing games. But I can't wait for the next game that is designed now that achievements exist and it's integrated into the game code, you know, not post release, right? I think that's where we're really going to see a lot of the game designers kind of shine because they can add that angle and that element to what they're putting together for the game. Um, you know, and we all know. You know, pit, you know, it takes a while to develop. You know, pinball machines, especially modern, complex machines like the ones that Jersey Jack puts out. I mean, Guns mm-hmm. and Roses by itself, the the light show by itself is amazing. So, um, yeah, so I'm excited to see what they come up with, knowing that this is an aspect of a dimension that they can add to their games.
0: Okay, uh, now obviously, you're when somebody walks up to a machine, scans a code, or uh, registers themselves as playing that machine. That there's a certain amount of user data which is being uploaded or being stored in the cloud. Now, who they are, probably an email address, where they are, what games they're playing, what games they've played before, what scores they've achieved, and various other bits of information. And I guess there's information about the machine itself from the, from the operator side. How can users of, of your system be sure that their personal data is being held in a, in a secure way?
3: Uh, I mean it's a such an important question yeah, yeah. It, it's because of our experience in the past you know operating consumer internet companies you know we are very familiar with with uh, the sensitivity around user data so the first the first number one thing is you never store anything you don't have to and that is absolutely paramount you basically start with an agreement with the user you know when they when they uh you know um register and connect. And it's it's it, some of it is obviously written down in the in the privacy statement mm-hmm. that you can see on the app, but but I also think that a lot of it is is just sort of a a, a let's let's call it a handshake agreement as you start. It, it says this is the type of service this is and this is the expectations you should have. And I think the expectation we are setting is this is about the games. It's about the games, it's about the scores, it's about the modes. When you go look at, you know, Carl D'Angelo's score for a game when he got 830 million on Guns N' Roses, and you're looking at what modes he's achieved, that is a we consider that public information because it's it's a leaderboard item. Mm. Anything other than that account name and their avatar that they uploaded to share with everyone. None of that stuff is, first of all, we don't store it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the only reason we have an email address is so people can get a password reset. Right. And, and so, you know, we, we don't keep any uh, personal information, you know, from an operator perspective also. Any of that sort of qu- quantitative data, we believe belongs to the operator. So it's not ours to use and sell Uh, and and so forth. I do think that there are exceptions to that um, where you're uh, collecting anonymized information about sort of what people click on or, you know, how... Like, for example, we track how many scores and achievements are achieved, you know, per minute. You know, that kind of, you know, key performance, key product indicators that help us design our product. Mm Mm-hmm. But personal information, the demographic stuff that you hear about, like online websites doing because they're targeting ads, is meaningless to us. It doesn't offer us value. Um, and, our, it, you know, it's funny because for all of the years now that um, we've been connecting machines, and Jersey Jack, you know, when they launched Guns N' Roses, it was connected from the day they launched it. There hasn't even been one conversation about can we you know what what data can we have? It's always been about how do we get the player the the game information um, visible to everyone
2: and. And and a and a huge part of that also is that the trust that we have with our users and the trust that we have with operators and the trust that we have with Jersey Jack and other manufacturers we work with is that you know if we're going to set up this cloud platform, it needs to be bulletproof and it needs to have everyone's best interest in place and and make sure this stuff is not accessible, especially if we you know if we have an API that allows you know streamers to to, well, exactly. to 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 reach into or you know or or developer APIs you know part of it requires the setup so that you know to jay's point we're not we're not storing any data that we don't have to but the 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 personal identifiable data that is you know truly the user's privacy is not accessible via an api <laughs> like that just it's it's kind of it's almost kind of 101 when in, in terms of building these kind of cloud software platforms um, and so we take that super seriously because that's you know it's it's the cornerstone of everything that we're building right And so we 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 respect everybody's privacy and we want to make sure that uh, again you know that we are benefiting the community and a part of that is by making sure this the, the platform is secure and making sure that uh, you know nobody's uh, information can get out there in any way you know like you know detail you know like we obviously we run a business so we're, we're selling stuff we take credit card numbers things like that none of that that is all walled off away from the, the cloud platform right like all, so
3: you know you, not you, even, you, it's not we don't even store yeah. credit card information so right. uh, it, we use our exactly. processor yeah. for it uh, you know another classic area of focus around privacy is location data. So, so the app says when you when you turn it on, can can we use location? You know, while the app is on, the app never sends us that information of where that user is. However, the user does get to query based on a a lat long and pull down the list of, of venues near them that that the venue records have address information, obviously, um, and it then organizes that based on distance. But that location data that the user has is not tracked and is not sent to us.
0: Right, it's all, all handled locally in, within the app.
3: Exactly, and that's, you know, not only uh, is it enforced by the, by the stores like the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, but it's also just good practice because I don't want to have anything that I don't need to tempt anyone to you know, any kind of you know, miscreant behavior. Right.
2: I mean, I'm 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 Jay and Brian and the rest of the tech guys are more the tech guys, or I'm more of a business guy. Like I, I would just never, I would I would die if there was ever any sort of like breach of trust between us and our users. I mean, that's the core tenet of doing business, right? So uh, knock on wood, right? Of course, but like that's you know, you you show up and you want to do something like this. There's a clear way. I mean, it's 2021. This has been established in the internet space for a while now. How to do this and how to do it right. And of course, you know, we're following that to the T.
0: Good, because I mean, one of the reasons for the for the uh, question on security is that you you have said that you're going to or planning to add a payment system to the scoreboard oh, app yes. to allow people to play pay for their games through the app. Now, That's how's correct. that going to work? And uh, and you also said that you, you're not going to charge for it. Um, <laughs> that seems like it's a a potential area of uh, well, a potential nightmare having to deal with all that and. Uh, if you're not doing it for free, it seems um, it seems right. uh, hard to see that how, how that's going to work on a business case for you, other than just for expanding the use of Scorbit generally.
3: Well, do not underestimate our desire to expand the use of Scorbit. But yes, <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's my next question. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, so so where payments are concerned, it's really really important. A couple of things are really important to stress. First off not everybody wants payments, right? We have a, I would say the majority of our operators are interested, you know, at least on trying it. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of operators who are very, very sensitive about digital platforms. And, you know, so one of the things that, you know, back to privacy and sensitivity, we will never, ever store information around the numbers of transactions that are happening or, or earnings in our own systems in a way that could be accessed by anyone other than those operators, so that's at, you know number one. I should start with that. As far as the actual payment transaction goes, it's not our business model. Our core competency is bringing people together who play pinball, is to get people to play more often, and part of that core competency is around reducing uh, friction and. And one of the obvious areas of friction is not everybody's carrying cash or a credit card. And so we offer this as a way to speed up and increase total numbers of plays.
2: My my favorite story and the influence around this was there's a bar in San Francisco that had a change machine uh, that was empty for a week and a half. And and unless you were a diehard pinball player with our little stack of quarters that we rolled in, like I watched normal people st- walk up to the pinball machine, go go to the dollar, take a dollar to the change machine, like oh I can't I can't get quarters. Oh well, and I won't play. Like that that that's like lost uh, conversion of introducing pinball to new people right and you know if they could use their phone the way they do with apple pay and things like that they would be playing again and you wouldn't need a change machine you would need you know uh you know the fact that the machines didn't have dollar uh acceptors bill acceptors by the way is a is another story that's that operator but still
3: but but it (laughs) but it it is important to point out that um you know the, the there are business models out there which take a percentage of the transaction and that's how they make money true um It's not what it's really important. I've learned this over the years, you know, as a CEO, but also as a venture capitalist. It's really important that the product and the service be aligned with the revenue and how, how the revenue works, and that you're incented to deliver enhancements and improvements that are specific to what drives revenue, right? And when those are aligned, you get a great you know relationship between the customer and the and the service provider. In this case it's true that like making payments easier is aligned but if I'm taking a percentage of the transaction then it changes my behavior in ways that I don't think the operator the operator wants. So what I'll do is I'll just pass through my cost transparently. So we're not going to be you know we're not going to replace you know, Square or Stripe or, you know, PayPal or these, you know, we'll hand off the actual transaction to a transaction processor, and then we will open books, show that to the the operator. And I realize that may seem kind of ridiculous when you have millions of dollars of revenue passing through these machines, um, but it's not, it, it just doesn't make sense for the long term for us to be doing it that way. Uh, and so what will happen is you'll have an account with Scorebit, just like, you know, you do today, and you'll be able to uh, um, buy credit in the way that the operator specifies. So some of the operators are fine with there being sort of general credit that you buy and then put into machines. Other operators want it to be specific to a venue where, you know, you if you buy credit for a venue, you can't spend it in another venue. And all of these flex, you know—some want the dynamic pricing to change during happy hour. Some don't. You know, all of that is built into our system, and so it's really more about um, sort of the operator's decision around pricing and how to—you know—the bundling of—you know—if you—you know, one dollar gets you one play, and two dollar gets you three plays. Well, what happens if you put in twenty dollars, right, or fifty dollars? What is the advantage that that operator is giving to the player? And so all of this stuff is just about enhancing the relationship between the player and the game and making it a better experience. And I, and I do think that we can do that without having to take a tax along the right. way.
0: And, and on a purely sort of uh, functional level, how, how does the, if it's working with a, a scorbutron? Mm-hmm. How does that actually
2: credit up a game?
3: Well, we developed a product, um, a piece of hardware called the Scorbit Link. And it's it, it,
2: it has not rolled out yet. We showed it for the first time at Expo. <laughs> um, this, is a, this is a little bit of breaking news for you guys, for people who didn't go Woo-hoo! to Expo. But, but yeah, so there you go, it, Jay. Tell them all about Scorbit Link. It's, it's, it's amazing. A bit
3: of, it's a bit of a scoop. It's, it's, it, I mean, the, what the device does, and and there have been devices like this in the past, right, is it sits between the coin door. And um, and the MPU uh, usually uh, interposed in the harness, so it's you mm-hmm. know you sort of, you, know, you, you put it in a place that's convenient. You know, for games like Spike games, it tends to be in the front of the cabinet, and if it's a you know a Sam or a WPC or or what have you, it would sit in the back box. But this device basically takes commands from the Scorbitron, and the Scorbitron, which is connected to our cloud, you know, over a socket. I mean, the beauty of this is is that in our lab, testing, sending to the cloud and back, we're able to do a coin drop in less than 300 milliseconds. And when you compare that to the types of transactions that, you know, Bluetooth systems have or other types of of coin systems have, I think we can get that credit in the machine faster than if you put a dollar bill in or faster Mm. than if you swiped a credit card. So... So that's pretty exciting stuff. You know, the, um, the score bit link also adds the ability to control all the menu buttons and start buttons and all that kind of stuff. And so when you combine that for certain games where we're not doing CPU probing and we're like doing yeah. like the DMD, we're able to basically pull all of the data that the operator wants, change to tournament settings for like an entire league night, and then change it back for all the games at the same time. Uh, the, 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 it's,
2: so it's, it adds another dimension to the stuff that we're working on for operators, mm. which has been, you know, just currently right now, an operator if they have a machine, if they have a Scorbutron enabled machine, they can see in the app if the if the machine's on or off, right? And to the average person, that probably sounds, you know, fairly simple. But when you think about an operator who's got, you know, twenty locations and they physically need to drive to every location to check to see if the machine is working or not being able to see if a machine is turned off or it allows them to optimize their route or like, you know, no, okay, I don't need to go there this week. I can go there next week because everything's running. Okay. Right. And this extends that to being able to utilize those menu buttons, access the remote information for all stuff remotely so that they can be better operators. Um, uh, you know, we're really, you know, like a lot of our work in the past year, it's hard to believe that we've only been out really for a year with the Scorbitron, but it's been mainly focused around players and the player experience and year two for Scorbit is really going to be focused around operators and pinball machine owners and venue operators, um, you know, a, a venue, you know, owners, so that they can optimize their machines and run better businesses with Scorbit. That's our hope, at least.
1: Right. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So um,
1: is uh, the Scorbitron um, able to um, notify an operator if a game is malfunctioning? In some way, like uh, when a credit dot appears or something like that,
3: yeah, yeah, it does. Um, we we're we able to not only see the see that the that the game needs service, we can actually um, what we will be doing for operators is is be able to conduct that test report and extract data from that test report. It won't be in our first version. You know, our first version will be more around you know this is uh, an, um, alerting for service, but I think that as we talk to operators, it's interesting because I, I thought they would want more test data. And I think that what we're finding is they're, they're much more interested in audits, other mm-hmm. types of audits, uh, than the test report. And I think maybe it's because they're desensitized because they break a lot. So their assumption is there's always a service they can perform on the, on the game. What they want to know is, are people playing it And is it earning? And um, and so the the operators. That's right. You know, we do have. You know, in the Bay Area, I know a couple operators who 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 want the uh, machine learning uh, analytics because what they want to do is they want to do predictive maintenance, where um, uh, you know over time the data, you know over. Large over a large data set. I'm sure you, you you guys know what I'm talking about. You know you are able to actually do things with the data uh, as an operator to say, well, you know what, that bride of Pinbot, the the slings, those those sling rubbers seem to wear out at this uh, this pattern. And looking at the at the actual data of how many times mm-hmm. it, it it is triggered, you're able to say, well, I'm going to need to do a re, a rubber refresh on this game. You know, once every six months, and th- that's the kind of thing that I think that's more of a longer term opportunity, and it's something that will probably prioritize those analytics, the very specific reports, based on the highest level of need. And as Ron said, right now it's is, is it on and is it earning, <laughs> right?
1: Right. So um, Scorbitt, from 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 what you guys are telling me, could be very interesting tool for operators to um, motivate people to, to start playing their games and uh, there's, there's uh, ways you can set up uh, incentives with with the location uh, play th- uh, three games get a free beer or something like that um, but uh, and, and I, I, I see the potential in that but looking at uh, uh, history in pinball, operators usually are not marketeers um, they put down a they, they, they set up a machine they put it there um, and once in a while they collect collect the, the the cash box but they're not the ones actually going out trying to get people to play it and market it so to speak um, does uh, does it need some or do operators need some form of of Educations to maximize the possibilities with Scorbitron or
2: are you have you have you thought about that? Pot- potentially. I mean, part part of it is that I think that it's the and you're right. I mean, a lot of operators are just really operating the machines and it's up to the venues um, to market it. A lot of operators operate a venue, you know, like I used the example of Jack Bar, you know, like where all the machines there are John owns. He's the he's the bar owner and and the and the operator, right? And you know, same you know, there's other locations around that. And what we've discovered is that the that, that no no one operator or no one venue is alike. Right. And so what we're just trying to do is we're trying to build as much, you know, kind of opportunity for both venue owners and operators to take advantage if they want to, and if they if that is what their business, you know, kind of lines up for. If that's the, those are the business kind of business people they want to be
0: that's right. okay uh, so um you're talking about things that are coming up in the future what, one of the other things I, I thought i heard you say and correct me if i'm wrong here is that you're you're thinking of moving or you're planning to move scorbitron into the realm of video games and effectively do the same kind of thing for for them as you you've done for pinball is, well, is that correct
3: well, well th- we did get a question at expo about that and and you know, and we get calls um, mm-hmm. frequently from from various organizations, uh, some some publicly traded organizations, even you know, who have asked us this question a lot. And 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 I have to be clear. I mean, what Ron said before about the community and the pinball community. Look, it's our priority, and we have so much to do within the pinball universe right now. You know, I'm like sitting next to two System 11s right now that I'm like, you know, there's wires coming out of it because I want to get that product out there for the converter. And, you know, I just feel like there's so much to do in pinball. Now, when we created the hardware, we knew that there would come a day when the arcade owner was going to say to us, Hey, I've got, you know, Galaga and Donkey Kong sitting next to here and I and I really want to be able to not only grab the scores but also be able to stream the screens and so one of the reasons why the Scorbitron has the capability of doing real-time video encoding is partially because we were anticipating this need. And so it's the same technology, it's a different connector literally. So it's not an expensive, you know, years of R&D for us to convert over, mm. um, when we prioritize that, I think will we'll be when we can catch our breath around the demand around pinball, and there is a lot, and we it, and it's there is a personal. I mean, probably more for me even than than you know Ron and Brian. I mean, I when when Scorbitt started, Ron and Brian knew that I would probably become obsessed with pinball when exposed to it. <laughs> but, but the, and, and the way they did it was like, they kept inviting me to play pinball with them. And I kept saying no. And, and finally there was California extreme was happening. And I knew that half of that, half of that show was video games. And so they said, Hey, well, come with us and you'll check out the video games and we'll go play pinball, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, it was a, a very thinly veiled attempt and very successful of getting me to cross over into pinball. (laughs) Um, But in many ways, the arcade games are a simpler problem. And I I, I honestly, you know, even our CPU probes are capable of handling it. I I just don't want to make a commitment on timing of that. But eventually, I think to make our users happy, we will create, you know, those connectors. I, I also want to point out, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, your listeners, everybody knows this, the communities, while they overlap, they're very different, too. There's different, you know, players, there's different um, organizations that handle tournaments and, you know, you've got the Twin Galaxies group and you've got all these different folks. And we also want to respect that community's needs, which requires a lot of interaction and a lot of. A lot
2: of research, research. I was just gonna say research. I mean, like so much of what we've been doing, you know, in the years that we've been working on this, is talking to operators, talking to owners, talking to designers, talking to manufacturers, really understanding and the guts of pinball, and and yeah, and uh, we would, you know, once we're once the pinball business is in a spot where it's good, then we look, you know, how we can expand to the rest of the arcade.
0: Right. So if people wanted to add scorebit to their pinball machine, how would they go about it? Do, do they have to buy it through the scorebit.io website?
2: Correct, or, yeah, so so first and okay. foremost, everybody listening should go to either the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and download the scorebit app and create your account and get on board there because whether or not you have a scorebit device in your machine or playing on a machine with a scorebit device, you can still use the scorebit app. You can, you can, you can know, you know similar to how Pindigo and some other apps out there work, you can take a picture of your score, you can upload it there, you can keep Track your scores. You can participate in challenges. You know all that sort of stuff. All happens in the Scorbit app. So that's the first kind of entry point. Then, uh-huh. um, then if you want to add uh, add Scorb uh, Scorbitron to your machine, go to scorbit.io. That's where you can purchase it. The way it works is that you uh, type in the the game that you want to add it to. That's that way we know which cables to give you and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, and then from there you can you know you you sign up for your subscription and um, look at all the pricing. We offer discounts. We offer volume discounts. So it a lot of operators, you know, like, hey, I have 30 machines. You know what can you do? And we're, we're like, of course. Well, we're going to knock down the price the more that you buy. Um, so for the, any operators out there, anybody, folks with a large collection, uh, we heard you and we adjusted the pricing. You know, because um, cool. you know it's great if someone's willing to commit to buy thirty Scorbitrons, Of course, we want to work with them in that way. Um, and yeah, and once you do that, we, uh, we, we ship them out to you and uh, have instructions on how to install it. It takes. I, I installed it on my uh, Data East Guns and Roses a, a, a few you know earlier this year. Year, did it, I told Jay, I'm like, I'm doing it myself. I want to act as a user. And I had it up and running in 15 minutes. It was uh, very simple.
3: So uh, Yeah. And, and I just want to point out one thing about, that, about the discounts is that it's cumulative. So uh, it's not just like if you buy 30, you get a discount. It's, it's actually, we remember how many licenses you have. And the more licenses you have, the lower your hardware cost is and the lower your subscription cost is. And we, and we adjust all of it and prorate all of it when you add more. So you know, we had a bunch of, you know, last, last uh, March, I think we had like an order, a group order where there was like 75 machines. People were lighting up all over London with Scorbit. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, uh, some of those guys waited. You know, they, they intentionally ordered more to have more licenses because they knew we were going to be installing them over time. And they got their price down, you know, significantly by doing that. And others who who have one and then later increase more, their 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 total advantage. It's tiered pricing, so they get a, like a better deal. So it's a, it's all kind of magical through that front door. And we encourage people to to check out the website, take a look, you know, take a look around. But also come to our Discord channel. Um, we have a Discord channel, and you know, on on the various forums like Tilt forums and Pinball Info, mm-hmm. uh, Pinball Info, and uh, and Pinside, of course. And you know, please come talk to us because because we want to hear.
0: Okay, well, one okay. one uh, detail from that uh, you, you mentioned that when you buy buy the Scorbitron, you specify which machine it's for, so you can get the appropriate probes and power supply. Um, is that in any way locked to that machine once you install it? Or can, can you then decide later I'm going to move it to another machine
3: if, it's, can, if it
0: uses the same connections?
3: Yeah, you can move it around. And and if you need other connections, uh, we have an accessory store at mm-hmm. Scorbit.io slash accessories where you can buy a kit. You know, It's like if you move your, your Scorbitron from a Godzilla to... You know uh you know a pinball magic <laughs> you know you're mm-hmm. gonna need the Capcom kit right and so we'll'll we'll send you a dmd dMD well you'll buy the dMD probe and then you'll get the you know the Capcom power qu- power kit and it's all it's all on our website you know we do it, it is a board like on a on a metal back plate yeah. and we even have some users who have developed 3 d uh, printed uh, uh, cases for them but you know obviously if you if, you know if you mount it permanently what we really want you to do when you sell that pinball machine is leave it in the pinball machine and sell it and then contact us and we'll give you a deal on a new one to replace it because we want Scorbit in as many pinball machines as possible.
2: Yeah, we've had a couple of situations situations where people installed Scor- Scorbitron, sold the machine, kept it in the machine when they sold it, the person who bought it then signed up their account and just kept on using the device without ever taking it out. Um, and we have a whole transfer transfer process to enable that. And, uh yeah, it's a, fun, it's a fun way to keep, you know, kind of you know, pay it forward. It's also like, I mean, Scor- the Scorbitron device is very similar to Color DMD in that respect. Like it should be, you know, oh, pinball machine owners should see it as a uh, device that are they, you know, they're upgrading their machine. And then, you know, ideally it lives with that machine after you sell it or move it or change it or that sort of thing. So
1: Right. Okay. Um, I do have, uh, on my end, uh, a final question. Maybe Martin has more. Yeah. Um, Let's say I'm in a, uh, a location, and uh, that location has uh, Scorbitron uh, installed on their pinball machines. Is there any way that I can, as a customer, uh, see that that machine has Scorbitron in it? Yep. Is there
2: a- yep. yep, absolutely. So if you open up the Scorbit app uh, and look in a location, and all the locations list all the machines that are there, the machines with the Scorbitron in it have a little Scorbit logo next to it.
1: Okay, uh, but is there on the machine itself like a, a, a decal or something uh, uh, pointing out uh, that that machine is Scorbit enabled so that it might, um, uh, if I walk by it and I'm like, oh, hey, I didn't know this was a Scorbitron or a Scorbit uh, uh, location. Um, how about I play some games and, and add some scores to my uh, uh, my profile?
3: Well, every uh, every machine... That is in the Scorebit system has a unique identifier, and what we've done is on the app and uh, in, in our new tools website that is going to be released shortly. Uh, but on the app right now, you can generate, you can display, and print a QR code, and that QR code not only identifies it. You know, you can print it and put it on your on your uh, score card or your instruction cards on the apron. And not only does it does it identify it as a score-bit machine, but if you scan that um, QR code whether you're in the app or you don't have the app, it will automatically handle it for you so it will navigate to the venue to that machine and and uh, claim the player slot so so it's sort of like a, a, a multifunction mm-hmm. Uh, identifier and QR code, and of course we provide you know vinyl clings and, and yeah we sticks. have two-
2: we, we have stuff like that if a venue operator wants that, we'll, we can work with them and provide that information. So we've, made, we've made static clings, we've made stickers, we've made signs and all stuff like that. There's um, you know a, a, a venue that we worked with where we actually made 11 by 17 posters that I sent them the PDF and they printed them to put up there that shows like, install the app, download, you know, like they kind of explained how to use it. Uh, so, yeah, we're totally open to working with venue operators and uh, owners to, to help market for sure. Okay, sounds good. Right.
0: Yeah. Well. Th- thank you very much, uh, Ron and Jay. I think we've uh, we've learned a lot today, and uh, a little bit of uh, breaking news there as well. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> so thank th- you for, for that. Thanks for having us, and we'll keep you posted as we announce more new, new stuff. And uh, thanks for doing what you guys do, and you guys are a crucial part of uh, the, this this fandom, and so we appreciate all the reporting and all the stuff that you guys do and your passion for pinball. So thanks so much, guys. A pleasure. Thank, thank you, you very much.
0: Thank yeah. you, Ron and Jay from Scorbit